I'm Guy Mowbray, and you're listening to What's the Crack? What's the Crack podcast, proudly sponsored by JMR Property Maintenance. From rewires to extension builds, JMR have it covered. Contact them today for a free, no obligations quote. Welcome back to What's the Crack podcast in proud association with the JMR Property Maintenance and the Realtor Plaza in Coventry. This evening we're joined by former Coventry, Peterborough, Oldham, Cardiff, Burton, Mansfield and Notts County defender Ben Turner. Ben made 89 appearances for the Sky Blues, scoring five goals. He also won the championship with Cardiff in 2012-2013 season and he scored a late equaliser in the League Cup final at Wembley against Liverpool. What a performance that was, by the way. Ben Turner, how are you, mate? Yes, yeah, not too bad, lads. Yourself? All good. Yeah, yeah, all good, mate. All good. Thanks for uh, giving up your time on a Friday night to uh, speak to two uh, numpters uh, that are probably going to check you off for a bit, mate. But yeah, um, I, I, we've been trying to get out of you for a while. We uh, we interviewed Tabby uh, yeah, yeah. a couple of months ago, and he was very complimentary and said that you're the reason that he's in horse racing. So uh, I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm sure you can elaborate a little bit more on that as, as we go on. Yeah. First of all, Ben, we always go back to the start, mate. So you grew up around Birmingham. You're actually a huge Blues fan, aren't you? Yeah, well, do you know what? Now, I couldn't say I'm a huge Blues fan now. I was, uh, I grew up and my dad was a big, uh, he loved Man United. He loved Man United. So until about the age of 10, I sort of, uh, uh, I followed my dad in with Man United. And then from sort of 10 to 16, um, sort of from, end of primary school through senior school I um I kind of realized like it weren't it weren't really for me I wanted to support a local team and I I had a then got myself a season ticket for with Birmingham and sort of had a season ticket with my brother for, for Birmingham through through the whole of senior school all the way until I signed my YT at Coventry and obviously then I, I had to sort of give it up because uh I was going full-time with the football myself but yeah for those sort of uh six or seven years um, yeah, was big, big into the blues, yeah. Was it your dream as a kid to be signed for blues? I know you obviously ended up at Cov as a kid, but was no, it always blues? No. I'm not saying it wasn't like a, in, a, in a derogatory way, but I, I just wanted to be a football player. I didn't. Mm. I don't ever remember sitting there and thinking, um, this team, that team, the other team. Do you know, like, I... I I just wanted to make it. I didn't want to fail. That was it. It wasn't yeah. really, it wasn't specific. Obviously, I would have liked to have played for Birmingham, but does it, does it uh, bother me, keep me awake at night, anything like that? No, absolutely not. No, I'm, I'm, I'm proper comfortable with uh, who I did play for and, and, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed, did I enjoy every club? I enjoyed, at least bits of every club, um, and especially three or four of the clubs, I re- you know, I really enjoyed, including Cov. Like, re- re- you know, wouldn't change it now. So you, you mentioned Cov there, and obviously, you know, uh, Cov's wearing a city shirt at the minute. Uh, sorry, Dave's wearing a city shirt at the minute, so you, you, you know, we're Cov fans. How did yeah. that move come about, mate? As a kid, like I, I went on trial at, um, I went on trial at Villa when I was eight. Villa when I was nine. Uh, both times I did six weeks. Uh, uh, Villa's training ground and uh, they went for a different lad instead of myself um, and uh, really sort of upsetting really for an eight and nine year old lad um, and uh, then at ten Villa asked me to go back again 
Um, and at the same time, Villa asked me to go back and try it again. Coventry offered me a two-year youth development contract or whatever it was. Um, and, I, I mean, as an eight- or nine-year-old lad, it's kind of like, it was it was a case of, do I go back there and try and follow that process again? And kind of, I know, I know how that feels if they say no. Or do I just go to Coventry where I'm actually wanted yeah. don't have to trial and all the rest of it and just there was no bad vibes no bad memories no it was like um it was a no-brainer I just wanted to go where where I felt like you know what they actually want me they don't need me to trial um they'd watch me play for my school team a few times um so yeah I was just like now I, I said to my dad I want to go there and that's where I went helps it's quite local as well um were, were you always a centre-half mate no no so I think it's like a lot of lads when when you're younger. I think you you kind of you, at amateur football you bet you put your best players kind of either up front or in the middle, don't you? In the, in the centre mm-hmm. midfield, so they can be most involved in the game. Um, and obviously, as a boy, I played centre mid just because uh, you, you you were just most involved. And, and at that standard, you want your players who who've got the most about them to to be most involved. So I, I played centre mid all the played. I signed for Coventry in the youth as a centre mid but I think like the people who knew what they were doing the people who dictated my development they they, they knew that I was uh, going to end up um, probably as a defender because I was very tall for a centre mid even back then um, mm. and they started uh, the process of moulding me into that because I think they knew that that's where the future was going to lie When you signed mate who what other players were around you at that time who did you come through with? So like my my age group was like as you say like Adam Layfield was in my age group Andy Goodin um, Matthew Perks, uh, VJ Sidhu, Ricky Baines, wow. Craig Kelly. What, what a player VJ was, by the way. I remember VJ, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, VJ. Just, just chocolate knees. I remember going to watch, um, obviously, I mentioned to you off camera that I, I grew up with Layfield. Layfield uh, went to Corn with VJ, and I went to watch yeah. a game there, and those two just stood there pinging balls to each other across the, the width of the pitch, one touch control and volley back to each other. Yeah. Ball didn't hit the ground like 18 times. VJ's touch was just an absolute joke. Yeah. So VJ, he, he was, uh, you know, I know a lot of people have got uh, bad luck stories in football and whatnot, but VJ was like, we probably had VJ and Andy Goodin who were like, mm. um, we had a good team, don't get me wrong, we had a good team, but they were probably the ones who were a bit more sort of, um, but yeah, they're probably our star men and that's not to say, you know, there was much between everyone, but they were like a bit more our star guys and VJ, he, he was. I think he was being watched by a lot of the the better clubs in the Premier League when we played in the Night Cup um, mm. up north, and uh, he was brilliant. And I think, I think from memory, that was where he did his cruciate at the Night Cup as a kid, and he, he set him back a lot um, in terms of he missed out on a lot of football, and also I think it affected his his confidence in his knee, and also not just his confidence, but how his knee functioned. And I don't think he ever. Um, not that he was never the same, but I think it really didn't help his mm. cause whatsoever. But yeah, like you say, he was um, he was very good, and I'm sure he was being watched by it was either United or Arsenal or it's one of these. I'll have to check. We've seen touch with all these lads, like pretty much. So I'd uh, I'd have to check with him. But he was being watched with a view to uh, potentially moving on. Yeah, he was a hell of a player. Obviously, I'm I'm I've got a big uh, layfield up being a pal. Um, Playing, playing in the school team with him, just 
like, and I'm sure you had it at your school, just that one player, he just was just levels above everyone else at school. And it was just, that, he, just a, yeah. he made it look so easy, bless him. This is the thing with the, the, the like some, you know, it's, it's easy to watch football and, and uh, criticise this player and that player and all the rest of it. But it's like, we're talking about Leifert, we're talking about VJ and lads like this that didn't actually make it at the level they wanted to make it at. But then you've been to school with him and I'm talking about VJ and you're talking about Layfield and how actually good they were. Mm. Um, it just shows you it's a, it, it, like football's not, it's a tough gig to actually go and to go and make it and stay in it and, and all the rest of it. Like um, I can absolutely imagine when Layfield was playing for the school that he would be just ahead of it because football came so easy to him. Yeah. So comfortable with the football and all the rest of it. Um but that's the thing about the academies and the pro game is like you get all these lads who are the absolute standout of their school and then you put them all in together and then it's like the the, the level of competition and the level, the standard is just... Just goes, goes to that up. next, yeah. Yeah, of course it does. Like, I can imagine it would be a breeze for Leifu playing for his school. See, and what you said about you playing centre mid and then dropping to centre half, Leif used to play like the, te- the 10 role for the school and just li- literally just have the freedom of the pitch. It was one of those ones that if you were in a tight spot, you just look up, find Leif, find his feet and then let him do the rest. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but he played left back, didn't he? Um, he was, he was always, yeah, he was always left back as far as I can remember for, uh, for Cov Youth, yeah. He might have played a few games on left mid at some point, but yeah, he played left back. Um, and that, 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 this is the thing. It's like, you might look at it and go, oh, was he left back for Cov? But it's just mm. kind of like, They've got to look at you and not just see where you're at at the time. They've got to see where they think you've got the best chance of actually making it and see if they can mould you into it. And that's probably what they did with him as well. Mm. When you when you were coming through the youth band, um, obviously going up through different age groups, who was in charge of Cov over the years and who kind of gave you your first break in, in towards training with the first team? So, uh, my, through the academy, uh, when I left senior school and went in full-time, that was uh, Brian Burrows and Steve Grisovich. Okay. Uh, and then... Um, when I was first a scholar, the manager of the team was Peter Reid, manager of the first team. Because so I always remember, I, like, back then we still had jobs and whatnot to do. So oh. I was on equipment. So I was like the equipment guy, um, which I thought when I got it, I thought, oh, that'd be all right. And then <laughs> I realised I had to go up as a 16-year-old lad, not Peter Reid's door in the morning, um, asking where he wanted the cones, the poles and all the rest. Fuck and where man. he wanted his and he just it daunted him because obviously he's quite a dry if he's 16 yeah. he was quite intimidating like hmm. because of, more because I was 16 than he probably actually was that guy you know what I mean but like it, it was pretty daunting as a six, he's still a baby ain't he at 16 really hmm. in comparison to like Peter E first team manager at Cup and he just gave me like a little post-it note with like 10 metres from this pole to the next pole and the rest of it. And then I had to go out on the training ground and try and put it out for him in the way he put it on the little post-it note. And I was, it was a, it was a bit like, I wish I was just cleaning boots by the end of it because it was just like, <laughs> can't really next that. Can you either clean or not? But I just wanted to, set up, wanted to set up the sessions, set up the cones for his sessions the way he wanted it. Um, but yeah, I remember that. I remember that being daunting. But these are things like, they, they make a man of you. And uh, yeah, you have to grow up fast. Um, I mean, there's loads of ways in life you can be asked to grow up fast. But, like, if you've just left school, you're 16, you go up to Peter Reid, who's a footballing a football legend and the manager of the yeah. first team of the country, and you're just 16. And then he's going, right, set, the, set these, uh, like that. It, 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 
you do you do soon grow up because it's if you don't you're not going to be there long I watched a documentary about him years ago when he was at Sunderland and he looks like a fucking lunatic that's the thing you just came across very like don't me wrong I never said more than a few words to him as a 16 year old lad but he was just very quiet but he just had that air about him do you know that yeah. presence where I was a bit like I don't want to fuck up putting the coat out <laughs> I, don't want to, I don't want that comeback and I think all managers carry that when you're a young lad and then as you get older you start to see through it a little bit with certain people in football and you think but when you're that age you just you just respect everyone if, if you know I just it was just respect really I just looked at him and thought no he's he's done a lot in the game so let's get these discs right for him. <laughs> <laughs> and the last thing you want in front of the first team is a bollocking off the gaffer for putting oh, yeah. the pole in the wrong place, you know. And that's it. And like, obviously, when you when you're the 16 year old lad, you're the you're the easy target. So you you do one thing, you're gonna get you're gonna get that in you. So like you don't want to give anyone any extra reason to 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 have you off. Yeah, obviously now now Ben, you're you're at the back end of your career. Um, but you mentioned now when you were coming through, you st- you start to do jobs, and obviously it's pretty much gone from the game now. Do, do you think? Are you glad it's gone? Do you think it should still be that way for for kids to kind of grow up and learn? No, I think they should still do it. That's my opinion. I'm a bit yeah. more like, like you are what you are, and you know I'm just a bit more old school. I've done it. I've been uncomfortable in certain situations. We used to have to do like a Christmas pantomime for the for the first team, and again, like it was like so the the, the pantomime. You had to, we, we were all characters from the actual first team setup. So I was there doing like an impression in front of the whole first team management squad and playing squad of Alan Cork, who was the assistant manager for <laughs> Adams. Like had a bull, had a bull, uh, fancy dress hat on and doing my best impression of him at like 16, 17 years of age. And like, <laughs> it was honestly, it was some daunting things, some things where like, you know, you really, you, you you got your butterflies going, you know what I mean? But like, yeah. like I say, I just think like, it's nothing to do with football, but in football, you need to, you need to have something about you. You need a bit of character. People don't see this on the TV screen to actually get into a first team squad, fit in with people and actually make a go of it and have a full career. You've got to have something about you. You have 100%. to, you do not, and not everyone's the same. Not We're not creating robots here. That's not what I'm saying, but you need a bit of character building. You need a bit of, that kind of stuff, and now that's gone. I mean, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not sure that's a good thing. Like, up and right up until now, like the last say, I'm nearly 34 now. So say like the last five or six years, I'll, if we're on an away game and I'm sat on the bus, I'll, I'll, like, I'll be having banter with them, and I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not forceful, but the young lads, I, I want them up, making me a cup of tea, I do, because mm. I've been, do you know what I mean? I've been there and I've, yeah, I agree with that. 10 on the away trip, but I've gone on away trips where, like, you barely sit down because you, you, you're just making someone one and then someone else asks and someone else asks when you first start travelling with the first team. So, like, I would have got at the back of the bus saying, oh, I'll tell you what, lads, I'm first here. Someone get the get <laughs> Because you just think, like, I've done it. It doesn't mean no yeah. I've had a career. And, like, and at the same time, if I ever go on a away trip and, say, I've sat on the bench somewhere, I'll be the first one or making... The 19-year-old who did play 90 minutes, I'll be up making him a brew because I ain't played. So it's yeah. not like, for me, it's like, it's a bit like, for me, it's a bit of like, those little things, it's a bit respect and stuff like that. It's like, yeah. you respect me that I've played 400 games and you're in your first 10 trips with the first team, get up and make the older boys a cup of tea. And tell you what, and if you've played 90 minutes, 
fair play to you, shit down, and I'll make you on back. That 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 that's how I see, it. and I, I don't know. And I think like also with the job, I don't I don't really see. It's not as long as as long as it's structured and not abusive and not. And I've never seen it be abusive or out of line. Why not do jobs? It's 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 all part for me. It was part of the process. And do we gain much by shutting up shop on it all? I don't think we do really. I I, no, I, I, I agree. I, I think it's one of those things that, you know, you have these kids now, 16, 17-year-old, making their first team appearance, walking in with their headphones on, thinking they're fucking Billy Big Balls. And you just think, well, hang on a minute. Like, you haven't made it yet, kid. Like, it's, like you say, it's that respect thing. You, you've paid your dues. You know, you, you've kind of got to earn those stripes. Um, talking about, you know, learning lessons um, and, and kind of getting into first teams, you, uh, you made your debut against Stoke for, for, for Cov, um, and then you went out on loan to Peterborough and um, had an eventful debut, to say the least. Uh, yeah. Sent off sent off on your, your first start? So, I got... Where did I get sent off? I, got, I went on loan to Peterborough, and my Peterborough debut, I had stitches in my head, and I played 10, 11 games for them. But when I went on loan to... So then I came back, that was League Two, and then the second half of the season, I got sent off... I got sent to Oldham on loan. I got sent off on my debut for Oldham. Oh, sorry, yeah, my bad. Yeah, Oldham. <laughs> the Peterborough loan went all right. That <laughs> games. Um, but even that, like, tell you about that, the, the Peterborough loan. So, I, I was doing well in the reserves for Cov. I felt like I was getting there. I was getting close to the first team. But the top and bottom of it was, was that the, 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 the first team staff at Cov weren't going to trust me in a championship game unless I'd gone and played some first team games against men. So it was a, it was a case of can you go and prove to us that you can play men's football? Um, I thought I could, um, but they want to see it before they throw you in, um, and that's how it was. So I remember Alan Cork again. He rang me um, when I was at home one day after training, and he was like, "Ben, um, Peterborough want you on loan." Uh, for six months, I think it was, um, in League Two. Um, and I remember he didn't say, what do you think? Do you want to go? Or anything like that, which these days, I, I, I think that would be the conversation. He said "He said to me, so you're going to be a big boy, Ben. You're going to get in your car and you're going to go to Peterborough and you're going to do six months alone there. You're going to get some games under your belt and you're going to come, come back here and then you're going to be considered for the first team. How does that sound? And I was like, Absolutely, yeah, whatever you say. Like, you know what I mean? I, it was mm. just like whatever it took to, to prove that I could go and play in the first team for Cough. So that was it. I went alone, went alone to Peterborough. That went pretty well. They were doing all right in League Two. Who, then, who, was, who was in charge at Posh, mate, when you went down there? Uh, Keith Alexander. He's died now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was quite, it was quite, it was a bit of a sad, sad story, really, because Keith was taken early. And then uh, the centre mid, Richard Butcher, um, he died as well. I think he was in his early thirties. He was our centre mid. Um, so t- two of that, two of that squad that I was first involved in just just had terrible luck and lost their life early doors, which was mm. uh, really sad, really. But no, it was, it was um, it was good. It was good for me. It was certainly certainly an eye opener. Like I say, got my head busted open, stitches on my debut at Swindon away over top of the league, um, and just went on from there really and got got ten or twelve games in. When you were there, was Barry Fry about the place? Yeah, Barry Fry was still running, running the show, yeah. Well, um, what, what's he like? Is he, is he as he is in the telly? I've met him a couple of times at Wembley and that, but he just seems like a nice bloke. 
brilliant. Yeah, really, really liked him. Yeah, really did. He was uh, he was great with me. Uh, real, real character, larger than life. But um, no, he made me feel really welcome at the place. Um, and made sure I was all right. And yeah, I, I couldn't knock him whatsoever. And no, I really, really, really enjoyed sort of being there. Um, and 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 sort of like you say, big character. It was nice to actually meet him. So obviously, as you mentioned, you you know you go to Oldham and you come to Cov and was when you made your debut at Cov was it that way? No, Mickey Adams gave me Mickey. Ad- so I played my debut for Cov at Stoke away. I think it was last game of the season. Um, and Mickey Adams put me on up front last couple of minutes. We protect- <laughs> I, think, I think we were protecting. Still, I've still got my shirt, but I think we were protecting a lead. I think we were one 0 or two one up at Stoke, and he and he and he put me on. He said go up front and run around like a lunatic, stop and stop and playing forward. So I remember going on like dryest mouth in the world from the nerves and that. <laughs> so I actually made my debut in that sense as a sub at the end of that season. And it was the next season that um, I did my loans to Peterborough and Oldham to actually get some actual games in my own position. You know what I mean? Yeah. So my, 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 my Cobb debut as a sub was before I'd been on loan anywhere. But like I say, going on for two, three minutes up front doesn't prove you're ready to play centre-half in the Championship, does it? So, it, it was yeah. my debut and it didn't get me any closer um, yeah. being, to knocking any of the centre-halves out of the team, if you know what I mean. But um, I think Mickey Adams gave me that debut because, looking back, I think he just thought he deserves it. He, he, he's, he'd run for a brick wall for us. He trains properly every day. He's doing the right things. It's the last game of the season. There's, I don't think there's any harm in having him on the bench. And then I think he looked around and thought, no, nah, give him his debut. Like, let, let's let's reward him. That's that's how I look back. But like I say, it didn't get me any closer to being a professional centre back. It was just it was just a run around up front, really, as a, as a pat on the back for my hard work. So you go out on your loans. Um, you come back at the end of that season. So uh, your first proper season with Carv is what 07, 08? Um I think. Yeah, just sorry, I was checking Google because um, yeah. I'm lazy. I won't, I won't remember the years, mate. Honestly, <laughs> um, but the, that's the season where you you know you first started making strides into the first team. Uh, you got some good competition there, lots of Elliot Ward, uh, Scott Dan knocking about, Rob Page. You know, so, so, some serious old heads. Um, did you know to start of the season you were going to be involved, or was it a case of you, you just forced your way in? Um, as the season progressed. Yeah, it was just that, yeah. Like, honestly, I was like, I just didn't want to not make it. So I was just taking it day by day and just giving it just giving it everything everything I had, every training session, every gym session, every chance I had to, to show that <clears throat> I could make the grade. I just tried to make the most of every day. I didn't have any, I didn't have any expectations, I honestly didn't. I felt privileged if I was picked. If I wasn't picked, I just tried harder. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, I didn't, it wasn't this like uh, story where you know you know it's happening and then it happens and you, you saw it coming all along. It wasn't like that. I was just work, I was just working my balls off. Honestly, that was that was it. But, but one of the biggest things that stands out for me from your early career um, is Man United away in the League Cup. Yeah, well, that was that was my first start of that season. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'd say what I didn't, I didn't, you know what, as well, in at the Sky Blue Lodge, the training ground, you used to train 
there was like a notice board in the corridor. The squad used to go on the notice board. So I trained, came back in. My name, I was speaking to Doyle about this because like Doyle's one of my good mates and because he, 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 he loves that game. He, 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 like I remember when we were in lockdown, it was a, it was put on Cov's YouTube channel or something. Mm. He was texting me saying, "Get on these turns. Look how fit we were here." You know, it's different. Funny, but we interviewed Doyle back in March time, and mate, he, he loved it, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> he did. Last man, like he is, he is like Doyle is one of them. He'll like when you first meet him. Like I was a kid, and and he was, and he was an established player. He was vice captain when I was coming through, and. Fucking Ali was hard on me, like he was. <laughs> oh, but. but like again, like so what? Like the, mm. the end of the day, it's, it's mad how world works. Like he's one of my good mates now, and I look back and I think, do you know what? He's not the biggest guy in the world. In reality, when you speak to him, he's a lovely man. But like yeah. I used to think, it, to me, he was just a flipping animal. Like at the time, but now I know him, so it's like, but, but it's like at the same time he's. He's one of them. He, he he wanted his career to be brilliant, so he made sure yeah. he was. So like, you can't you can't knock that. But yeah, this um <clears throat> this this man you game. My name weren't on the list. Then the next day, it was Doyle who rang me, and he said, "Turns, where are you?" And I said, "I'm at home." And he said, "What are you doing? We're about to train. You're supposed to be here." And I said, "What?" Um, he said, "Yeah, you're in the squad." I was like, "My name wasn't on the list." He said, "No, no, you're in the squad. Come on." So I uh. And now, do, you think, do, you, do, you think, do you think he was pulling your piss out? No, because he weren't like that. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. Doyle was like either like talking to you like and helping you off the pitch, bollocking you on the pitch. Mm. He weren't like, uh, you know what? A lot of other people, I'd be like, maybe, but I, I could tell like he was trying to help me out. He was like, turns, you need to be here. Where are you? Yeah. So, shot down the A45, fast as I could, got to the training ground. Turns out I'm starting. Against Manu, I, I was in my house. Like, we're in my dad's house. Basically, my name had been missed off the list because obviously it wasn't usually on the list, sort of thing. But the gaffer had picked me to play. So, like, it was just like, it was just a whirlwind, really. And just when played again, nervous times and that. But, like, when he said yeah, to watch To be back, fair, you fucking kept a clean sheet as well. Yeah, do you know what, like, I've watched, I watched it back in lockdown because he went, have a watch, it's on. They put it on. So, I had a watch. Jesus, he was right. We must have had some pre-season because we were fucking out. We were running everywhere, running all over them. And they, they, they were like, don't get me wrong, they didn't have all the all the main absolute players, but it weren't their kids. They had enough on the pitch. Like, oh, we, we PK were, played, Anderson played. Like, it's, it's mental when you look at what those what those players have gone on to achieve. Yeah, two seconds. Crazy. PK and Johnny Evans. It's they're, mental, they're, isn't it? Champions League winners and, and Misswood and Best of Tormenu arsehole. Yeah. Truth be told. No, they really did. At the time, I'd have looked at I'd have looked at PK especially. And I'd have been like, I don't think he's gonna cut it. We were like, I don't know, what was he? He'd be similar age to me at the time. I'd, mm. I'd imagine. And I was thinking, like <clears throat> you know what I mean? Just goes to show you, gets a bit of experience, a bit of confidence. Next thing you know, he's Multiple Champions League winner. He's also fucking married to Shakira as well, isn't he? He ain't done bad for himself. There you go. Not all bad, is it? <laughs> <laughs> We've spoken to a couple of lads from that night, um, and and I think the one thing that everyone's kind of agreed with was just the belief in the squad. Was at, at no point did you think you were going to lose? It was just. No, no. 
Like, there was just that inner belief that, do you know what? Fuck it. Let's, let's just go out and play and see what happens. Yeah. Well, the thing was, as well, it was early season. So, looking back again, with hindsight, you, you can kind of like see it a bit clearer when you look back. That We, we had Darry as manager and like, his pre-seasons were full on. They were brutal. Like, you got fit. fit, And it was an, obviously an early season cup game. And uh, I think our pre-season just... We were kind of lethal at the start of that season. And it didn't follow all the way through the season, but it was probably just like the wrong time of year to be playing us. We were just like literally up for it because it was Old Trafford. Very, very fit because the pre-season we had. Very, very hungry because we had a young, hungry group. The group was very young when you look back. Like the experienced ones were like Doyler. And Doyler must have been 26, 27. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> your besties, your wardies, Tabby. Isaac. Uh, another good player that night, he was word experience. Robbie Simpson, he'd only just come from the non-league himself. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we had, I don't, I might be wrong, I don't reckon we had a 30-year-old on the pitch. Marshall was in goal, weren't he? Mark, he must have been the oldest Mark, one, Mark, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You, you, you mentioned Simo there, and at the players we interviewed, I think he summed up the feelings that day best. He said that, you know, everyone was still buzzing on the coach. He said he got home and he just couldn't contain it. He said he opened, the, he opened his windows in his bedroom and just screamed into the middle of the night just to kind of get rid of some of the adrenaline. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's something that is really eye-opening as fans because obviously we were buzzing, you know, we're on the coach and we're drinking and we're having the fucking amazing time because we've just gone to our traffic and won. But for the players yourself... A lot of times you think, oh, it's just, you know, business as usual, get back on the coach, you've got training over the next day or the day after, ready for the weekend's game. But to see that you still have that emotion and you still have to deal with that sort of yeah. up and down as well, you know, I, I think that really opened my eyes to it. Obviously, it's your yeah. first start. At, at, at what point did you come down off the ceiling? Well, this is the thing that what I'd say about it. These games where you, you go and you get a massive result where maybe you weren't expected to it or it's a massive occasion, I think there's that phrase in the after the Lord's Mayor show or whatever that phrase is. That to me, football's made me realise that is a thing. Like the biggest games of my career, you play, you get the unbelievable buzz, you struggle to sleep whether you want to or not afterwards. And then at some point in the few days after that, you hit a, a bit of a brick wall with your energy. And I've had that in a few of the bigger games that I've played, and this one was no different. And then that's what makes it so difficult then to follow it up. Because right when everyone's thinking, oh, your confidence will be high after that result and blah, blah, blah. It's all well and good and it's all true. But you have like a bit of a, a come down. Because in life, in that every every high's got an opposite low, hasn't it? Yeah. Mm. So like the best way to live your life is probably like somewhere near the middle. Little high, little low, little high. And, and get through your life like that. It's probably not great for you going onto the roof to then come back down to the basement. It's probably, you know what I mean? It's probably caught out a lot of people over the years yeah. and they've ended up with their head in a shed, to be honest. But like, you, that man you game a few ones in, in my career, I remember like that, that, that come down of energy where like all of a sudden you can flip him, you feel like your, your energy's drained and then you're expected to go and win the next league game against whoever it was against and it's never... Do you know what? I remember this. It was Charlton at home and we drew one all and it was one of the worst games I'd watched that season. Well, there you and, go. And with all due respect to you lads, I, I understand why. Because 
you've just been Old Trafford, Man United. Yeah, your, your energy is just, it's just still grind a bit like it's a harder one to get right because of everything you put into the other one. Mm. Talking talk to loads, Ben, and talking about that Man United game, uh, next round we have West Ham at home and you make your first mistake in stoppage time and you give it to Carton Cole and he, he goes through yeah. and scores. Yeah, I was um, good, man. I was oh, Dave, fucking good. up, mate. Well, I've got a bloody <laughs> No, again, I, I remember, like, you, you, again, you, you learn, don't you? I mean, like, you, 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 you build your character on such moments and I remember, like, after the game, Dowie was, like, saying, don't worry about it, you, you, you know, these things happen. You like, and the worst thing was was he was a really difficult opponent at that stage for a young lad. Yeah, against big, strong, fast, experienced, good ability, all the rest of it. And like, I remember back, like, oh man, it was my fault. I said to everyone, it's my fault. I said to the captain, it's my fault. I'm gutted, whatever, and all the rest of it. But at the same time, I, looking back for like for 90 minutes of that game, I was more than a match for him on the night. So. Mm. I was like one minute away from going home and thinking, do you know what? I'm getting somewhere. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm able to compete with very good players at, at very good clubs and very like um, big games, really. Big cup games, yeah. Um, but then it was just a lapse, really. I remember I remember reading in the paper that said he like out-muscled me or something to get the board. And I was like, I remember at the time thinking like, Cheeky bastards! He didn't know me like, <laughs> like it, it wasn't, you know, it bothered me like it did, yeah. And uh, and I got a bit of stick and that. I remember reading a bit of stick from the top bands and stuff. And it's the first time I had to, de- first time I had to deal with it. Uh, probably shouldn't have been reading the things I was reading, but it's it's only natural. It's part of your yeah. development, part of the whatever. And it just, but you know, long term, it just makes you want to like. Do you know what? Every time someone has a pop at your junior career, it just makes you want to prove them wrong. Forget how did you cope as well? As you said, you're still a kid. You make a mistake. You've been hammered a bit in the press and, and by the fans. Look, I think it does build your character again, don't it? It's an experience that you learn from. Yeah, you, 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 you can't play centre half without being the world's biggest dickhead every now and then for doing something <laughs> wrong. It's impossible. You can't do it. It's 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 like. Well, yeah. Look, look at Wardy. He tried dinking penalties for fuck's sake. You can't. <laughs> you could. You could get. I'd say almost, not every, but almost any centre-half who's had a full career and you could go on one of the video databases and get his worst moments, put them in a collage and you could make anyone look shocking. Yeah. If you wanted to. You know what I mean? It's that kind of job. You, you, you're not a striker. It's like people are going to remember this, some of the stuff you did wrong. And you and you remember it as a player. I think you, you could, like I say, that night, play Played well for the game, if you know what I mean. But then in injury time, I made a mistake. But that's again, like I remember, like you've just mentioned it, and that's what I remember from the game because that's how it is, and that's your job, and it's a bit of a thankless task being a centre half, really, especially uh, a sort of one of the lads centre half. It's not, not you know, I'm sure it's a bit more funny if you're flipping Gerard Piquet these days, or you know, <laughs> Van Dijk, like <laughs> yeah, sure it is where you you know you've got the ball the whole game and you're not even asked to defend, but. If you're a defender who's spent his career defending, then you're gonna you're gonna make some mistakes, aren't you? Yeah, hundred percent. Well, it, it obviously didn't affect you too much because over the next few years you kind of really blossomed into uh, the city side and you, you're an integral part. Um, you scored your first goal a couple of seasons later against Derby, which proved to be the winner in that game. 
Yeah. And then didn't you go on like a, a scoring streak, scoring like two or three games on the bounce? Yeah, I think I scored four goals, I think, in the first half of that season. Um, do you know what? That was the season where I felt like, I was like, in terms of a car player, I was coming of age, really. Mm. Um, I even look back at the photos and like, I sort of went from like looking like a teenager stroke young man to looking like more physically mature, quite not overnight, but like from one season to the next. And I remember that season, I was playing every game, I felt important. I think I scored four goals by Christmas, like you say. And then we played Leeds at home and I got a nasty knee injury. Robert Snodgrass tackled me quite late. Um I didn't know at the time, but that was the end of that was the end of my season. It was gutting because I felt like I was cracking it as a as a cotton. Yeah. You know what I mean? I felt like no, no, I'll be playing the games. I can play for this team. I can help this team. I'm I'm important. Um, mm. And it was it was it was really disappointing. And then I got a misdiagnosis on it, um, and it was wrecking my head. To be honest, I was I was I was actually struggling to get it right because. I'd done a grade three medial knee ligament injury. So the ligament on the inside of my knee tore off. And we were rehabbing it as a grade three injury. But what we didn't know was until four months into the rehab process was, the reason it was still hurting was, not only had the ligament tore off the side of my knee, it brought a bone chip off with it. The ligament wasn't reattaching to the side of my knee because it had... Nothing to reattach to. piece of bone stuck to it. So the ligament the ligament couldn't reach the side of my leg because the floating bone was attached to the side of it. So in the end, we had a bone scan. And as the bone scan turned sideways, the leg was like here. And then there was just a piece of bone showing up here, which was attached to the ligament that was dangling down the side of my leg. And at the time, I didn't didn't know. I was thinking, why can't I get back fit? Why can't I get back fit? I kept kept trying. I could run in a straight line with it, but I couldn't do any like side foot passing or block tackling or that. But... um, I still wasn't fit, and um, then there was like it was weird because I wasn't expecting it to be like this. But at the end of that season, there was still like teams that wanted to take me and sign me. And yeah, because like, didn't, didn't Blues didn't Blues show an interest yeah, around that sort of time? This was it. Yeah, I was just trying to get fit, and uh, I was I was a million miles off being ready to play football because I hadn't even got back training. Um, but then I was speaking to Birmingham and uh, Malky McCoy at Cardiff. Um, and they were seeing both teams were serious, like, we want to take you. We know we've got to do the last bit of the rehab and all the rest of it. And I was like, I was, I was really was shocked. I was flattered, but I was shocked. And I remember we had uh, Thorny was our manager. Thorny had took the job at that oh, point. Jesus Christ. He brings back bad memories, he does. Oh, man. I, I just got shivers. <laughs> I, I remember, like, Thorny rang me. And he said, um, "Yeah, the the club, these clubs want you, but um, we're not we're not budging on anything less than four million. Four million? Like, yeah, I was like thorny. I was like, like, I was, like, <laughs> I, was, I, 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 I was fine with him. I got on great with him. But I was like, I said, well, I'm not going then. I'm really because um, so didn't you end up going for seven hundred and fifty grand? Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. I'm not, I, I was like, I'm not even fit." <laughs> I was like, like, and Thorny went, no, 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 but we sold Scott Dan for four million, and we're not taking a penny less for you. And I was thinking it's a bit different, isn't it? Because Scott Dan was actually fit, 
um, playing, doing well. <laughs> yeah, more experience, more games, and whatever. But there we go. And then, I don't, even, I don't think he even spoke to Thorny. I think then it was just like I got told, um, we've we've agreed. Maybe it was through Thorny. I think he said, yeah, the club's agreed a fee of seven hundred and fifty thousand. I'm not, I'm not best happy about it, but um, you know, it's up to you. It's up to you now what you want to do. Just to go back to the injury button, you said Snodgrass. Was it an accident or did he do you? He don't mean the sense of he was full-blooded, but that's how he... There's no hard feelings. That's how, that's, yeah. that's how he... You know, Snodgrass is probably one of the toughest tackling wingers you're ever going to see. Like, he's a winger, but he's a flipping proud Scotsman. I was going to say, he's a big, horrible Scotsman, isn't he? So he's, he's going to throw himself about a bit. Yeah, it sounds like it's not a problem. I mean, I wish he didn't do it. Don't get me wrong, but... <laughs> We were both trying to win the ball and my knee came off second best that day. So, it's one of them, but yeah. Uh, when you went to Cardiff, I didn't know this, but I've heard John Parkin mention it and I read it earlier. Was He was supposed to come to Cove, weren't he, as part of the deal? Yeah, yeah. He was supposed to be tailored into my deal, yeah, yeah. Um, he did mention this. Park is a great guy, man. He's one of my mates. Um, I, I, I love him, I do. I loved him as a player and I remember at the time thinking... Didn't want to lose you, but obviously you were injured at the time. But if we could get Park in, then yeah. it, it softens the blow, sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, me and him were probably we were only at Cardiff together for like I don't even think it was a season. But um, he's just one of them guys. He just like he gets on with everyone really, and we we got on really well. And still in touch with him now. So like, still speak to him quite like semi regular at least. We're we're, uh, we're interviewing him in a couple of months, man. Good laugh, is it? Oh, he's class, man. Yeah, he's. Yeah. Probably- just to be fair, I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't got you on his podcast yet, to be fair. No, no. Well, I don't know. Maybe we'll... Well, don't get any ideas, Parky. Just give it a couple of months, mate. Uh... <laughs> no, but he's, he's, prof- he's, a, he's, he's sound. He's a, he's, a gen- he's one of the funniest guys I've met in football. Genuinely hmm. funny guy, but not in a... You know what I mean? Like, not in a... Some people can be funny, but then the person on the other side might end up feeling like she's, you know what I mean? But like, yeah. he's just a, just a good guy, man. Great nature, good, funny guy like him. Yeah. Criminally underrated as well, I feel. Oh my God, this guy, right? He, the two best volleyers of a ball I've ever played with. That will have three. John Parkin. If the ball, in training, the ball was falling out the sky, he was anywhere near him. He could, he could volley in from anywhere. Like people thought he was a big, chunky guy who just he, he was a, he, he was technically sound, like good technical. Like he could control it and he could like strike a foot very good. And Peter Whittingham, unbelievable volley of a ball. And the other one, Nigel Clough, the Burton manager. Wow. Nigel Clough, <laughs> unbelievable at volleying a football. Practice every day before training, just get people to chip balls at him and just volley. To be fair, he was some player when he was playing under his old man, weren't he? Oh my god, he could hit the ball hard. <laughs> I bet. Um, you, you mentioned at the start, Ben, that there's, there's some clubs that you look back on really fondly. Well, a lot of them, but Cardiff's got to be the biggest one, mate. You, you've, you've gone there, you, you've won the league, you played in the League Cup final, you must have loved your time at Cardiff. Yeah, do you know what? Like, you've say about to have like a podium, Cardiff. Had, Cardiff's on it, end of story. Brilliant time for me. Um, Cobb's on it because Cobb made me, and I'll always appreciate that. That, that they, they, they helped me become a footballer. And uh, yeah, 
can't knock that either. And the other one's Burton. Loved playing. Mm. Loved it. it. Was gutted when I left Burton. But gutted. Um, you know, they'd they'd be the ones that stand out from from where I've been for some obvious reasons and some less obvious, I suppose. But yeah, they'd be the three. Mm. Just in terms of the Cardiff move, are you are you still technically injured when you join? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. I just so when it comes to your medical, are you shitting yourself a bit thinking, this is going to show up? Surely they're going to back out. Well, th- th- this was the thing. So, I'm injured, but I've had the correct op at this point. I just haven't done any rehab. So, if you imagine, right, okay. I've had the ligament and the floating bone reattached to the side of my knee. I just need a good six weeks of, of, of building it up. I hadn't, like, trained. I hadn't even... I was basically running in straight lines. That was about it when I signed for Cardiff. Um, and yeah, when I was speaking to Cardiff, though, um, I was getting, I was close with Birmingham, but that, the, the owner was Carson. He was in like all that trouble. Over yeah, a bit the dodgy, weren't it? Yeah. So the manager and everything was, everything was like, no, we want, yeah, we want to do, we want to get it over the line. And he was basically in hiding over there, so they couldn't. Couldn't find his checkbook. No, because at the time, like again, like I say, no regrets whatsoever. I'm so so glad I went to Cardiff because it's the best stage of my career by some stretch. But at the time, I was obviously there was a good bit of me angling towards Birmingham. I'd had a season ticket at Birmingham, yeah, and, and it meant I didn't want to. I wouldn't have. Had, I wouldn't have had to to leave home. But even then, I had this, like, I still had this thing in me where I was like, do you know what? If I play for Birmingham, it would be a lot more hassle living where I live if I'm a Birmingham player. Oh, you couldn't you could knock down the co-op if you'd made a mistake on a Saturday, could you? No, it would become a bit more difficult. And, like, every time you go out, someone would want to tell you how to do your job and all the rest of it. And, like, don't get me wrong, it's nice to talk to fans and that. But then every now and then you do come across the odd person who, like, probably says too much and are unqualified to say it. Yeah. So it was that was always like a bit on my mind. Whereas, like, the, the thing about Cardiff that worked out so well was like, it, it was like we won the championship. It, it meant I could play some Premier League football. But also, if I came back to Birmingham, I was always still relatively unbothered by anyone. Mm. So, so it was like, it worked great. It was like I went there to work and focus and do everything I could. And then when I came home to spend time with my family, I was just one of the family again that was it there was no yeah. like going to come and over bother me because there's no Cardiff fans where I live yeah, yeah 100% um, we've touched on it already but probably the biggest day of your career uh, the, the League Cup final in, in 2012 um, you've had, you, had a great cup run in the, you know to, to, to get there but to face Liverpool at Wembley like that's got to be up there with one of the best days of your life surely um, yeah, definitely one of the best, let's say, like, it's the best isolated moment in my career, isn't it? Like, the point where I don't, I remember scoring, but I don't remember thinking, take your top off, Ben, or anything like that. It was like, <laughs> it was as if someone else did that, honestly. To, to, to be fair, then, mate, I, I think you're doing yourself a bit of disservice. I remember watching the game and you were fucking unbelievable the whole game. I'll say how it is. If I was terrible, I'll tell you I was terrible. I, I, I'm my own biggest critic. But yeah, I played great that day. I did play well. 
Um, no, I, I watched the highlights earlier to remind myself of the game. It was, like, it was kind of like with what's happened to my body and my injuries and all that. My 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 prime was basically for me the first half of the season at Cov where I scored the four goals and got the move. That was what got me the move, and then the, the three years, first three years at Cov before my ankles fell to pieces on me. That that them four seasons when I was on the pitch, that was me at my best. Mm. Um, so like. Yeah, looking back, if I watch the game back, I am watching me at my best. So it's like, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like that is, that I did play well, and like, but at the same time, I, I was tearing up, gutted at the end of the game because I was fully aware that how close we came to winning the Carling Cup. Um, yeah, and what that would have meant, what that would have meant for me what that would have meant for Cardiff, what that would have meant for all my teammates, the manager, everything like that. Mm. It was, I didn't want to just be patting everyone on the back and saying, didn't we give it a great go, lads? Because it was like, hold on, we took them to penalties. Liverpool missed their first, first two. Yeah. Steven Gerrard has missed his penalty. We've scored our first penalty. It's like, I look back and I'm like, God, we, we like... It's not like we just went there and didn't we give them a good game. We we really, really, really nearly won. Like, and did, just you, like, did you put yourself in like, penalty? No. I, do you know what? I, this is the thing, right? So in the in the semi final, we uh, we beat Palace on penalties, and uh, Malky McCoy like did wonders for my career. He did. And I'd like I'll always thank him and like a lot of time for him. The um in the semi final, Palace played the last however many minutes with ten men. And this is a rule I didn't even know existed until this happened to me, but because they've only got ten, right? You you have to have and we had eleven as Cardiff. Eleven yeah. eleven on the pitch. They'll have ten men stood on the halfway line for the shootout. Yeah, and that means that we had to have 10 stood on the halfway line for the shootout. And so, so one of you has to drop out? One of you has to go and drop out and can't stand on the pitch. Right? I didn't know that. Wow, what on earth? Who knew? Like, <laughs> right? So, Malky Mackay, because, let's be honest, he ain't daft. I'm his centre-half, I'm his last line of defence, I'm his big, ugly centre-half sort of thing. He, he picked me to as his last one he wanted to take a penalty in the for that Pally shootout, you know. Yeah. And he and he said like, Yeah, picking you, you've played great and whatever, but like it's over to them now, sort of thing. Sound. So then like when you get to when we get to Wembley and it goes to Pens. <laughs> let's be honest, it, 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 it doesn't allow you much room for nominating yourself to take a penalty. <laughs> yeah. In the semi final he basically told you you're the last person on this team who wants to be taking penalty, <laughs> if you know what I mean, and that's fine because that was never my job. Um, did, did you fancy it personally, though? Would you, would you, would you have stepped up and took one? What? No, no, I'm not saying to anyone, or you know, no, I didn't like I've yeah. always thought to myself, right? So, say, like, so say Joe Mason that day played at front for Cardiff, I wouldn't ask Joe Mason. To head the ball out of the box for Cardiff City on a defensive corner because that's my job. I will do that. 
to them. I'm not going to go then and start pretending that I'm Joe Mason or I'm Rudy Gestead or I'm Peter Whittingham or whatever. And I should oh, give me a pen, I'll take a pen, I'll take a pen. I just think like, and that's not, and I'm not saying that because I would be wrong or whatever. That's just how I am. Like, for example, in the in that World Cup, uh, in the World Cup, in the Euros, just gone. Yeah. Where Harry, Harry Maguire steps up and rifles that in the stanch, right? When he steps up, one, I'm surprised. I remember sat there and I was like, wow, he's taking one already. Like, he's the centre half. And then he smashes it in the stanch and, like, above and beyond his job description. So, like, great that he did it, but like on the day, I was I, I was of the mindset. Well, obviously I'll have one further down the line, but to put me in the top five, probably not the right decision for Cardiff City Football Club. Hundred uh, percent. A player you've already mentioned, mate, um, Peter Whittingham. Um, obviously, it's, uh, sadly died not that long ago. Uh, I yeah. watched him against Cov quite a lot, mate, and he always tore us apart. He, he looks some player. He's the best player I've ever played with. It's as simple as that. Simple as that, yeah. Unbelievable. Ability-wise, like, just strip it back. Who was the best at the basic things of football that I've played with? And it's Peter Williams. The he's a lo- local lad as well. I didn't realise he's, he's local to the Midlands. He's from, I think he's from Nuneaton, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. Nuneaton, yeah. It's just shocking what happened. Like, got on, me and him got on really well, but everyone pretty much got on really well with him because he was that kind of guy. Like, if you didn't get on with him, you were, you were the dickhead probably. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's one of, them, one of them guys and like, like just to, to, to have that happen to him, not, not, nothing, yeah, for, for, how, for how much he meant to Cardiff as a footballer, but how much he must have meant to his wife and his kids as a man because like, what a guy. Mm. Yeah, just like, I mean, I'm in touch with a lot of the lads from, from that Cardiff team and just no we just couldn't believe it. Just couldn't believe it. When you're at Cardiff then, you end up back here alone. Yeah, so basically so I went to Cardiff. First season we had the cup final against Liverpool and we got beaten in the playoffs by West Ham. Second season we won the championship. Third season was our season in the Premier League. We got relegated back to the championship. And then in pre season from a fourth season at Cardiff um, I had a grade three ankle rupture, um, and then that led to six ankle ankle reconstructions in the next two seasons, where I just couldn't I couldn't my ankles just stopped working basically. They uh, had grade three ruptures in both of them. My ligaments were no good anymore. Um, and when basically when I came unknown to Cardiff, it was to get some games. I was on the bench for, for Cardiff at the time, waiting for my chance, um, and I found out Cardiff wanting to go on loan and I was just for obvious reasons desperate to play it was Cov which meant a lot to me to like can I help Cov get back in the championship while I'm building myself back up just it all made sense to me so I had to ask a lot to get Cardi to let me do it on like a month basis with a recall and whatever and I went there but um, I think I played about my fifth game it happened against my ankle um, and that was like, like I say, like that, that was, yeah, that was like the end of my primary. I didn't know it at the time, but I've had eight ankle reconstructions and fucking hell. 
that what happened was in the end for me to carry on playing was they stopped stitching the ligament back together. They got rid of the ligament, drilled into the one side of the joint, drilled into the other side of the joint, and put like a synthetic fake ligament from one side of the joint to the other. So my ankles don't roll anymore. Um, they, they, they're like a lot more stable than they were. But the downside of that is the rehab's a lot harder. And uh, you lose some speed and you lose some agility because it's not it's not your it's not your ankle anymore as it were so obviously it was a trade-off and I remember I was at Cardiff and after I'd came back from Cov because it had happened at Cov in a home game I remember I headed the ball back to the goalie and my ankle went when I landed and uh, the club doc who I'm still friends with now I remember he came to me and he said um, are you insured and I said what do you mean he said have you got career ending insurance and fucking I was, hell yeah exactly and I was like fucking hell and he was my mate, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. We weren't the club doc who got on with him. Um, and I was like, what do you mean? And he, and, he, and he went to me, he went, look, this is your call, Ben. He said, but you do realise that career-ending insurance is taken out and he's paid for for situations like the one you're in. I just wanted to let you know that. It was that bad? Well... At the time, it was, yeah. I mean, six ops later on the exact same thing. You mean, you're up shit creek a bit, aren't you? So, like, I remember, like, so I was hearing him out because I respected him. Like, event, event, a lot of other people that said it, I'd have been a bit like, you know what I mean? What does he know? But, like, because I knew he had my best interests at heart, he was like, I just want to let you know that it's there. And if you want to pursue it, we can make it happen. He said, I can sign it off the physios at the club can sign it off and we can get the surgeon who's been dealing with your ankles. It's a very, it's a very easy one to get, to get done. So I was like, blimey. But, um, how, how old were you then, Ben? Early 30s? No, no, no. I was 20s, mate. I'd have been 27. Fucking hell. Literally, yeah, yeah. Like, just coming into your prime, really. And yeah, yeah. Like... I didn't, what I didn't know at the time was I'd already had it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a fucking game, isn't it? At the time, I'm, yeah, in theory, I should be coming on 27 to 32. So with all that, what happened with my ankles, I was like, so. But anyway, so I, I was insured. I was insured. I was insured for just over a million pounds. So back there, he was saying to me at the time, "We can make it happen. We can get you a million pound tax free. Walk away from the game. Get on with your life." So I was like. Right. Did, did you think about it? Yeah, yeah, of course I did, yeah. Because I was thinking, so, well... It's right across your mind, doesn't it? It is what it is, isn't it? Like, what he's saying, he's not saying it to annoy me or anything. He's saying it because he wants me, he wants me to think about it. He's trying to look after me. He, he wants the best for you. Of course he does, yeah. And also, I thought, right, I'm going to I'm gonna have to speak to my wife, like my missus, about this. Because this isn't just me, this is affecting, do you know what I mean? I've got... Yeah. That, I've got my daughter already. I've got two more now, but I have my daughter already. It's like, I need to think about this. So we sat down and like, to be honest, I was like, I never ever really wanted to do it, but I thought at the time, this is probably the right thing to do. That's probably why Len the Dockers came to me. And like some, you know, you know what it's like? Sometimes it's hard to see things when it's about you, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, sometimes all I'd ever done is worked hard, got on with it, tried to like get where I needed to be. 
So I was thinking, he's probably doing it for my own good. So I got in my head, I thought, do you know what, I'll do it. It's best for everyone. I'll do it. It's tax-free. I'll do it. I'll be fine. Move on with my life. All the rest of it. And then I was sat having dinner with my missus in the house. And I just, I've never had anything like this before in my life. But like, I just, I just got really upset. Really, really upset. And I was just like, I can't do it. And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, I can't, I can't do it. I can't, I can't retire. I'm carrying on. Like, because I knew as well, at this point, you said that, the one ankle I'd had the new operation where it's a synthetic fake ligament. Yeah. And while it was stiffer and it felt different to run on, it wasn't going anywhere. I could really feel the difference. So I was like, I've got to give it a go. I've got to get the other one done and give it a go. And I'm going to have to like live by that decision because I'm like, I was, I was, it bothered me. I was upset. I was like, I can't, I'm not doing it. Um, so I did. So basically, I got the other one done, um, and then got back in the squad, got back training. It felt really stable. I could never get the same speed score through the laser speed gates. Mm. I could never get the same agility score through the <clears throat> laser speed gates, which was a bit of a problem because, like, back, like I say, back then before I was 27 or whatever, I wasn't as slow as I looked. I was quicker than everyone gave me credit for, and it was like deceptively quick. Yeah, not only really like people who, like my teammates and that, knew that like I actually I had a yard that the spectators didn't really see. Mm. I know that weird thing to say, but I was I wasn't I wasn't slow when I, like when I got going or whatever. But like a lot, I, I, it was really frustrating to lose that little bit. And actually have it put in front of you that this is where you were and this is where you are and you're just going to have to get on with it for now. I couldn't get within 20% of it, which is an issue really. But I thought, yeah. no, just, you know, you'll have to adapt, whatever. Um, yeah, so we got in the squads for the end of that season. Cardiff had already told me when I had six months left on my deal, look, we're going to go in the direction. Um, it's really difficult what's happened with you and whatever, but don't forget, they've got wind of the fact that they thought I might be retiring and all the rest of it. Yeah. So they're, they're their trust in me, had, not me, in my ankle had gone. And I can't blame them. Um, again, gutting, but what can you do? That's life. So, yes, in that summer, uh, after I'd got on the pitch, I actually, they, Cardiff were good enough to play me in the last game of the season at home to Birmingham. That's, that's uh, class, which was Which was brilliant. And then, like, I've got some like my daughter came on the pitch and all the rest of it. Like, I don't the fans didn't know at the time that it was it was my last game, so there was no big hoo ha or anything. But I knew it was my last game, so like, and it was against Birmingham, and not just for the sentimental of it all. It showed it showed me playing ninety minutes in the championship. So I was going to say that, that that puts you in the shot window a little bit as well, doesn't it? It, it shows gave, you can still do it. It gave me a lifeline to to try and carry on playing, and then uh, yeah, in the summer then I. Uh, I'm good mates with John Brayford still, who uh, I was with at Cardiff, um, and he's uh, he's close with Nigel Clough, who's the Burton manager. And Nigel Clough had asked Brayford about me, and Brayford had gave me a good review. And um, I was on holiday with my family at the end of that season, and 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 uh, Nigel Clough rang me and said, "Will you meet me?" Um, I got the impression he thought I wasn't, I wouldn't sign. If you know what I mean, I think he he was a bit like on not on the back foot, but it was a bit like, look, this is what we've got. This is everything we've got that we can actually offer a defender to play for this club. I know it won't be where you are at <clears throat> Burton, uh, 
Cardiff and whatever, but we really want you here. You'll be our main centre half, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'll sign. And I think he, like, he was a bit like, oh, all right, Sam. So, like, that was it, yeah. I just, I, I, I met him and, like, straight away, at the stage I was at with my career and whatever, I just, straight away, just thought, yeah, this guy's for me. Like, this guy can, this guy can manage me through this, out of this sticky period I've had. And, uh, get my career and my enjoyment of it all back on track because it had been a terrible two years. Just before we come on to Burton properly, uh, which I'm, I'm massively interested in, there's a few characters at Burton when you were there, but yeah. I feel like we've massively glossed over the fact, Ben, that you fucking played 31 Premier League games, mate. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like... In a red kit. Yeah, what was all that about? <laughs> the Red Dragon, mate. The red dragon. <laughs> fucking hell. They had this thing where they thought they were going to change the, the the owners the owners and chief what, exec. Was it that Vincent Tam was it? Yeah, um, he wanted it to be red because the red dragon was important to their culture. <laughs> like this. But you can you, you could never take the bluebird out of the Cardiff setup. It's just oh, not not possible. It unsettled it for a long period of time. But then that was another thing. Probably again, like things that people don't really see. But um, one of the proudest days I've had in my career was the day that Cardiff went back to blue yeah huge day um, and I got to captain Cardiff in the first game back wow. to blue against Fulham at home we beat Fulham 1-0 at home it was sold out and uh, I've still got the picture of us in the team huddle before that game and like again if, like I say like, oh, come on here. I know you're going to ask me about Wembley I know you're going to ask me about uh, Premier League and Cov and all the rest of it but like getting to captain Cardiff the day they went back to blue that's huge in a sellout game and uh, yeah it was massive for me like again no one would probably really know that but like I look back at that and like that's Cardiff means a lot to me do you know what I mean like it really does like the, the, the city the, the club the teammates are made when I was there and to get to do that <clears throat> that'll always mean a lot to me. It's not something that's as obvious as some of the other things, but that, that was massive. Another obvious thing, and I didn't know this until Neil actually messaged me earlier. Did you turn down a Wales cap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I got asked Yeah, Google's great, mate. I found that <laughs> out. <laughs> so when, when I was, at, like, again, like when I was at my best before, when, when, I got, when we got promoted to the Premier League early in that season, Chris Coleman, who was my manager at Cobb, obviously, at one point, he asked me would I play for Wales. Um, and uh, I, re- I, didn't, I really, 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 really didn't want to say no to him because I like him, basically, full stop. Like, yeah. one of my favourite managers I've had in terms of, like, the person that he is. Um, but I just, I don't know, like, well, what I said in my statement, really, I'm, I'm English, so... You'd be lying to yourself. I w- yeah, I would, yeah. And that's... And if ever... If other players can can say, you know what, there's enough of me that's this nationality to play for that country. Good luck to him. Like, wouldn't, but like, I think like you you you've got to be true to yourself, ain't you? And like, I'm an Englishman, and that's that. See, David's Irish. Um, you know, born in Cov, got a Cov accent, but all his family's Irish. So this summer we had a bit of banter, like because. He wasn't supporting England as such. He was he's an Ireland fan. And a lot of people find that really hard to get their head around the fact that he identifies as as supporting Ireland. 
I feel for him. It explains the hairline now because he's had to watch that football for the last couple of hours. Like, just, I think it says a lot about you as a bloke as well, Ben, and the fact that you go, do you know what? It would be brilliant playing international football, but could you really stand there with your hand on your heart singing the national anthem? And it just, I don't think I'd feel comfortable with it either. It's just like, I knew, I knew fair well at the time, so this is before, like, Again, like, this is me when I'm I'm still on the up at this point, very much so. We just got promoted in the Championship and I'm just starting out in the Premier League that season. And like I know I knew fair well that like doing this can only benefit my career and can only help me progress further in my career. But, but like Did you ever think because of what you said you were just getting started in the premiership, did you think I could play for England one day? No, no, I didn't. I remember I remember I remember there was an article about Roy Hodgson was monitoring um, me in the at the start of the Premier League season, and I remember reading it and thinking that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, and like, I've, like again, like I'm not like a deluded, like uh, my head away with it in the clouds kind of guy. Like I just, I did just think like that would be ridiculous like that 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 won't happen to me things like that don't happen and it didn't yeah. happen that had not that had nothing to do with the wales thing no didn't never I, I never i never thought i thought at the time if i'm not good enough to play for england as an english then that's that yeah that's international football done yeah yeah but i never thought say no because england's still an option no i didn't think that You've got to respect that massively, mate. Um, you mentioned your son for Burton and, and the Nodal Clough. Um, I'm, I'm 30 next year, but his, his dad's one of my all-time heroes, Brian Clough. Um, but from what you hear on, on different interviews, he was as mad as his dad were, in some ways. See, well, obviously, like, I've never met his dad. I've only, I've only <laughs> had the, like, saw, I've, I've looked at some of his like, classic moments on YouTube and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, you can see, I can, I can see the similarities and all that. But, like, just for me, it was just a case of like just taking him on face value, and like some of the stuff was like mad as a box of frogs. But oh, the, the, the enjoyment factor of like some of the stuff, some of the other stuff, and like just memories and stuff, you just can't replace them. Like just like at that time. So say like when I left Cardiff, so then like the first couple of seasons playing for him it was just like exactly exactly what I wanted mm. but like it was just like us against them mentality we were all one big gang some great great lads that I met again all over again having left Cardiff thinking like leaving some of my best friends do you know what I mean thinking oh, I don't wanna but then like like this, it was it's a, it's a, it was a bit we weren't a madhouse because that's not doing us of doing us of them. Uh, you know, it's doing us an injustice. But like, it was just—it was brilliant. Honestly. Everything just clicked. Your centre half partner um, that season, your first season, obviously he's quite well known to us. Cole fans now, Kyle McFadden. Yeah, um, yeah. We, we played a back three, so Fads was in the middle. Uh, I was on the left, and John Brayford was on the right, and that was oh, the wow. That was the back three for that. Championship. You won't get much change out of that, are you? Oh, and then we had uh, Lloyd Dyer left wing back, and uh, 
Lucas Aikens, right wing back. And sometimes Lucas Aikens would play further up. John Massino would play right centre-back and John Brayford would play the wing-back role. But just like, the team was kind of built on the on the on that back five, and then the rest of the rest of it went from there. But like we were like the thing was we were Burton, right? Uh, averaging probably four thousand a game, yeah. Champions supporters, like the club had no right to be there. But look, the first season with that with the team we had, we stayed up very comfortably with games to spare, sort of thing. It was like. It was just great. It was just like we were just like it was just like the underdog story. But in reality, when you broke it all down, you broke down what players we had and whatever. We were never going to be the whipping boys. We were we were all right. Do you know what I mean? Like you say, like Fads, good, genuinely, genuinely good player. Like mm. and like, the man just don't seem to get old. He's like <laughs> he's still mobile and he's like getting on a bit now. Brayford just a. Just such a such a good teammate to have on the pitch with you. Just like always at it. Lloyd Dyer, loads of legs, character, but like I'm on the left of a back three and he's the left wing back. And like in a lot of ways, everything he didn't have I had and everything I didn't have he had. So it just worked. And we got on. Do you know what I mean? And another character from from that squad, we actually interviewed him probably about seven, eight months ago now. Um, Stephen Boywater, were you there with him? Oh, legend. He's what? a lunatic, ain't he? <laughs> this is what I mean. Everyone's, like, this squad was just full of characters, like, good, good, like, all just good men. And, mm. like, Stevie, everyone speaks to me and will say, Stevie Boywater, absolute lunatic, isn't it? And I'm like, well, to a point, yeah. yeah. But also, what a guy. What a guy. Yeah. Just because he's different. Just because he's unique, and just because yeah, he is a bit of a lunatic. It's like, but look, Steve Boyle was at my wedding, and like the next day, I'm getting flipping told by my aunts and stuff. What a lovely guy that Stephen is, that your teammate from Burton, and I'm like, you know, everyone. Are you sure? <laughs> no, no, not at all, because I know he is. But everyone, yeah. everyone, like from podcasts and stuff like that. People just want to think, oh, Stephen Bywater's lunatic. There's, yeah. there's more to him than that. He's, he's, he's law yeah. gone. Law when, we, when we interviewed him, he was really calm and laid back. Mark. I wouldn't think he was the person spoke about on podcast. He was that different. The thing is with Stevie, he's like, does he like hand sanitizer? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does, he, does he live his life with like some some like OCD traits, things he has to do at certain times, and all the rest of it? Yeah. Do, do do you want to make him your enemy? No. But, like... He's supposed, he's supposed to be quite handy, isn't he? He's into his MMA and stuff, isn't he? Well, well yeah, apparently so. But, like, I've never, like, never had to worry about that. But, and he was just a really, a really good guy, really good teammate, and just a, just some quirky, funny stuff on the side of it. But, like, <laughs> just funny. Just, like, we go on, like, we go on trips, like. So, like, if we, if we were at the relegation zone, with Burton in the international breaks we'd go away abroad as a team like on a team bonding piss up basically <laughs> and uh Stevie had come on them and like Stevie would move different to everyone else like he'd like he'd just be off in a taxi on his own like 
What, 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 just swear just, midnight? Just like, just, I've had enough, or? Just, just, no, 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 I mean, no, no, at any point he wouldn't, like, you know, imagine like the lads, you'd get to the bar, have the crack, have some drinks, have a laugh, all the rest of it. Steve would be off in a taxi looking at watches. <laughs> five minutes away on his own. And then he'd get a taxi from the watches to look at some boats. And then he'd go from the boats and grab himself some lunch. And then he'd get a taxi back to the lads. And then he'd tell the lads all about it. And, <laughs> Steve, and the lads would be like, Steve, are you are crackers? And he'd be like... Fair enough, like, you just, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just, it's just different, isn't it? But he's like, good God. How did he get on with Cluffy? Because he had a bit of a fallout with Derby for a bit, didn't he? So like, when I went there, I'd heard about this fallout, and I thought, like, because he, he, Cluffy, uh, Cluff was one of, like, he'd look after you. If he did well for him, he'd look after you properly, properly look after you. Mm. And that was a bit, like, that was the best thing about playing through like you knew if you got results, your life was gonna be like it wasn't like get results and you just keep making your life hard for no reason. It wasn't like that. But like it was always like one of them where like I got the impression like that you wouldn't you wouldn't want to unnecessarily make an enemy of him because I couldn't imagine that'd be a good idea. But then I heard the story about Derby where like it went completely wrong and he was parking in the gaffer's spot. Yeah. <laughs> let the balloons. Yeah, just like, I was just like, and, and I can well imagine Stevie doing it because like, Stevie's like, this is the thing as well, like, some of this like lunatic stuff about Stevie's, there's just a big kid in there somewhere still, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Some of it's just that. And like, I'd heard about that, but then, Burton, it was like, the hatchet must have been buried at some point and it was like, Stevie got the most respect of everyone, really. Like he was his backup goalie. He trained well. Gaffer knew that like no one was going to mess with Stevie in the dressing room because he was experienced. He's a big lad, and everyone knew like the backstories of him. So he, they got on great. Yeah, they got on better than the Gaffer and any other player probably. It's it's crazy looking at that squad. Um, some of the players that came into Burton while you were there, like you say, averaging 4,000 a week and like Darren Bent come in, Stevie Warnock, um, you know, some really experienced pros. There's one transfer that happened that still baffles me as Go a on. Cov fan. Marvin Sordell. We'd ha- we signed him in the summer and then three months later we've gone to Burton and it was like, w- w- what happened there? Um, and Stuart Bevan came the other way. And it was just like, okay, what happened now? Did did you hear anything behind the scenes as to why he didn't last that long at the City? Or was it just one of those things that he, he scored a couple of goals and Burton uh, just fancied him? Um, no, I didn't at the time. But um, again, look, still... I've got a lot of time for Mark because he's had, he's had to deal with his own um, mental health. Yeah, and when he first signed, had to be fair, when he first the first season, he was in a lot better form that season than he was in the second season. Yeah, and at that point, I had I didn't know that there was mental health issues um, behind the scenes, um, and I think in the second season. Um, 
kind of like noticed the change in him day to day. And it was a bit like, it was like some murmurings of, he's Marv okay, like he's Marv okay. Um, and it was one of them where like, it was difficult to know whether he, he was okay or he wasn't okay. Does, you know, and, if, and even if we did know that, does, would he need help? Does he need time off or whatever? But I think in the second season, his form suffered a little bit. And that was the build-up to him walking away from football um, for his own personal reasons, to benefit his own yeah. to benefit his own mental health and to benefit his own happiness and his own life. And uh, I can only respect that because, again, still in touch with Marv, um, not regularly, but like I follow his journey on what he is doing through his social media stuff. Yeah. Still have the odd few sentences here and there on there with him. And and like from, from everything I can see and everything I can understand, what a decision from him to do that because yeah. it's a brave decision to walk away from football because it's every boy's dream and it was his dream as well. And to walk away from your dream because you think that it's the right thing to do for you and your family and your happiness. It's a big call, and he made that call. Hundred yeah, percent. Um, and uh, no, and that he's doing he's doing really well. And not only that, he's looked after and uh, stayed in touch and stayed in business with what he's doing. With a couple of his expert and teammates who are also not playing football now. So um, nice that nice that he's um, stayed in touch with those guys and and that they're all still friends and they're all still doing something different. But moving moving forward with a smile on their faces. Yeah, 100%. Um, one more team in that I wanted to touch on before Dave carries on. Again, um, we, we know a little bit about him as he's now at Carl, Jamie Allen um, yeah. in the middle of the park. Um, unbelievable for us the season we got promoted. Um, how, how did you find him? Jamie's a funny guy, man. He's like, he's the quietest guy in the world until he's had a couple of beers. And then he really comes out of his shell, express <laughs> himself, and there's like, there's a character with a glint in his eye under there somewhere. When he has a few beers, he comes out, and then you go back to work, and he's back to being like quiet, business as usual again. Um, but no, it's great to see him doing well because um, it probably didn't work out exactly how he planned when he signed for Burton, um, but he was he was young enough to. Um, use that experience and come again. And it's good to see him doing that for Cobb. Uh, yeah, I think, to be honest, he'll probably be off this season. But the season we won League One, he was un- unbelievable that, that season. Yeah, he, he was really good. And the, you say about him having a couple of beers. There's a couple of videos from uh, the players' celebrations at Royton, and he looked like he was having a lovely time. Um, just, like he, 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 we went, I remember we went to uh, Marbella on one of our international trips with Burton. Because we were at the relegation zone, and he just he just starts to come out of his shell, and it's it's great to see. Look, it's just nice. One of them guys, you think like, you should say more. You should say more on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, because like you're actually <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, when you left Burton, Ben, you you went to Mansfield, and uh, have you finished? Have you left Notts County now? Yeah, so I've left Notts County now. So now I've um I've gone part time now. Um, I've got a couple of businesses that I need a bit more time. Um, on my hands to do and um, basically full time wise I've 
the last season really it's kind of caught with me in terms of like I've been training and playing through quite a lot of pain. Yeah. Mm. Just just training and then backing it up with a training session the next day and backing it up with a training session the day after that and then having to be ready to play then at the end of a week's training. Um, just just kind of catching up with me, really. I think, like I say, a lot of operations. Um, and uh, the, the last season, just... I don't know, it was like I had to make a decision. Do I want to retire or should I look for something else? Because I didn't enjoy it as much last season, probably as much as any season in my whole life. Um, to, to talk, talking about Notch County, you've got to ask, link, linking back up with, with Doyle, did you play in the game you went in goal? Yeah, uh, was I playing or was it? I was there. No, I weren't playing. I was sub. Yeah, I was sub. But yeah, I was there. I was there. Yeah. We, I think we spoke to him the night after that game, weren't it, Dave? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, a couple of nights after we, after the game, yeah. And it was just yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Just it, it, he's always lit up talking about it, didn't they? Oh, I loved it. He loved. He absolutely loved it. Yeah. Um, so first half, he's on. He's on fire, right? He's made a few saves. Like he's doing goal kicks, but he's like he's zinging it out. Like you know, what I mean, <laughs> finding feet, not just kicking. And then like ten minutes into the second half, like because he's obviously not a goalie. From all the from all the kicking, his legs start giving up. <laughs> he starts like losing the ability to kick it the halfway line. <laughs> like basically like half cramping up from being in goal. It's funny because like one minute he's on fire, the next minute he's like, oh Jesus, this is a completely different game. My legs are gone. But now, nah, luckily we won, yeah. Uh, how, how did you find playing in the national league? Like, I didn't enjoy last season. I didn't. I just felt like I was swimming against the tide basically the whole season mm. with the way of uh, just with like my body, the team select, um, the formation. We're playing a back three, um, which meant really at this stage of my career, I had to be in the middle of the three. So it only gave me one spot to aim at. Um, I got a grade one car from Bought a lad in. He scored six goals in the second half of the season. Um, so it, it didn't really matter how he how how he was defending or anything like that because if you if you if, you, if you're scoring goals like that centre half you're going to stay in the team and you which just mm. meant that uh, I had a, I had an injury which meant that he came in alone and then kind of ruined it for me really. But like fair play to him, he took he came in and took his. Uh, Took his chance and whatnot, but um, no, like I say, I didn't, I didn't enjoy last season really as much as. Don't get me wrong, still had a good laugh. Did everything properly, um, tried everything I could from the position I was in to try and help not to get out of the national league. But unfortunately, two seasons I was there, we got beaten in the playoff final and then we got beaten in the playoff semi final. Um, worth saying about the national league, it's so difficult because unless you win the league. You're yeah. in play. There is no, there is no second goes up automatic and third. Yeah. League two, third goes up automatic. But then you drop down to the national league. Got to win it to go up automatic, which means you need an absolute immaculate season to go up automatic. Otherwise, 
you're in a sixteen uh, playoff. No, it's not even four teams. So it, it's difficult to do. The one, the thing was, the one that we got wrong was so. The season, not last season, the season before, we played in Wembley when COVID was at its height, um, with no fans in there, and uh, we got beat in the playoff final. And uh, we didn't perform, and I personally didn't perform anywhere near my best. And uh, I think that kind of counted against me going into last season, um, and it just, I don't know, it just felt like. At the end of it, I was just thinking, realistically, what do you do now? Do you stop or do you try and have like a transition out of the game? You carry on for a bit more on different on a different basis. Um, and I got a good offer to play for Buxton, um, who I'd heard are having a real good go at trying to get a couple of promotions to get at least to the National League. Um and uh, I just thought that that could work for a year. I've got got a few other things that I'm working on, and it frees up the time to do that, and also helps my body out a lot because again, mm. the spectators don't see is what playing football for a full career does to your body, and like it does batter. And it's mm. not something you can see, but it's something you can feel. Yeah, hundred percent. Do you miss the day to day in the training ground, banter with the lads, that sort of element of it? Yeah, yeah, I think I do a bit. Yeah, um, but like, I'll be all right. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big boy. I'll get used to it. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I wish I could on, leave in a changing room forever. <laughs> But you can't, can you? Unfortunately, yeah. you just can't. You've got to grow up at some point. Of course, you have. Yeah, you've got like Doyle. Doyle's now assistant manager, so he's been in the changing room for about twenty years. Yeah, maybe more. Than that. And then all of a sudden, now he's in an office with a manager, and he's the assistant manager. Look, that dot, the changing dynamic there. It's mm. like life changes, doesn't it? I'm not the only yeah. one. Um, but I've got to ask you, I meant to ask you earlier when we are talking about Cardiff, then, then we'll, we'll move on. Um, you, you called, um, is it Juan Caller a dickhead? <laughs> why, why didn't you like him? Um, number of reasons, really. I thought, look, do you know what? After, probably the kind of person now, after saying it, you think, was I being harsh? But then... I don't think I was, no. <laughs> like, I like to try and like and get on with everyone. I don't like having... I either want to like someone or leave them completely alone and just not... You know what I mean? Yeah, I get that, yeah. I don't want to go through life taking enemies as I go. And when... Saying, look, with, with that situation, it's not... Certainly not an enemy of mine. Absolutely not. I was just asked what for a teammate... I can't remember what the question was, but basically, like a teammate that I didn't like, sort of thing. And I don't know. I don't think I'll be the only one. I really don't. <laughs> I, mean, I, I could maybe speak for myself, can't I? But I mean, I've got. 
I've got enough but, friends from that team. Mm. That who were good. We, we that that team was built on togetherness, work rate, mm. hunger, desire, bloody mindedness. Loads of things that team was built on. And then when we tried to make the team a bit better the season we got to the Premier League, so we could try and stay in the Premier League. What I would say is he he wasn't he wasn't that. And that's yeah. what we were. And he had to, it, he didn't even it, you know, he didn't even seem to try and be that bothered. Yeah. Look, some of the players you brought in, like like Craig Benamy, that they're gonna bring something and they care about the club. Think 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 about the things I've just said about what we were. And Bellas comes in and sure, he's a bigger name player, sure he's probably a bigger ego and all the rest of it, but does he fit in with everything else? Yes, absolutely, absolutely he does. Mm. And like and that 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 that's it basically. That's 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 it. But, but when we started sorting this podcast out, Ben, obviously we started talking back in March. I think it was a day after I'd done my absolute bollocks and Envoy Alenich, you know, um, yeah. which um, brings me on to horse racing. Um, Jay Tab said you're a big fan of the horses. You're st- still involved, are you? Yeah, yeah. So, like, um, oh, well, yeah, I've been in, look, my dad's mad keen on the horse races, uh, on the horse racing, sorry. Um, my grandparents were. So, like, it didn't matter whether I was at home, my nan and granddad's or whatever. It was just, it's always been a part of my life. Uh, I've run four, or soon to be five, um, racing partnerships. Okay. Um, with um, ex-teammates, ex-schoolmates, some family members. They probably make up fifty percent of them, and then fifty percent of people that have just joined in for one reason or another. People that I've met mm. through it. Um, so. No, it's it's great. We've um we've got some exciting horses for the new season. Um, who do you usually send them to, mate? So we've I've had all my horses trained by either Stuart Edmonds, who's just outside Milton Keynes, or Dan Skelton, who's in Ulster. Yeah, Skelton's a legend around this part of the, this part of the country. Yeah, obviously a, a massive massive trainer, good guy. So is Harry the jockey. But um, yeah, there's um I've got um so basically everything that I run through the horse partnerships. So I've got um, an Instagram page for it, Ben Turner Racing, um, and basically there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of what I call it dodgy. The way some horse partnerships are structured, there's people that bring hundreds and hundreds of people together, saying saying buy a sharing horse, buy a sharing horse, buy a sharing horse, and they all pay well over the odds for the portion of what it would cost to train the horse because there's so many of them. Yeah. Mm. The person running the thing pockets a lot of the excess. Yeah, it's coining in, really, yeah. It's, it's, it's um, to me, it's, it's, it's shocking. It's, it's fraud. It's theft, really. Call it what you want. It's, it's, it's not right. If you're getting £10,000 a month to have a horse from, from 100 people to have a horse in training, so there's a hundred of them. They get between the paying ten thousand pound a month. So a horse in training, the excess on that particular horse in training is upwards of eight thousand pounds a month. And then that money, where's that money going? So mm. I love the racing. I love the days of the racing. I love other people that enjoy the racing. And basically, um, for the last few years now, 
I've been putting together um, racing partnerships where it's not a scandal. It's 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 legitimate. It's, it's a bit more ethical. What you pay is what you get. You get twenty people paying hundred pound a month. That's two thousand pound a month for the training fees. That is what the training fees cost. Our prize money goes into a bank. Everyone can see the bank. Every bill gets posted in a WhatsApp group. It's a transparent way. Uh, that that's for what you've said. That's really really good, Mike. Obviously, I've, I've followed the horses my whole life, like you, and you don't see that of anyone, mate. So this is something you've done there. We we, we get so so we've got horses in partnerships of we've got one that's eight people, two that are twenty people, and one that's thirty people, and we've got a new one that's starting in October, and that'll be twenty people. So if there's twenty people, say you pay. £100 a month, there's £2,000 a month going into the horses racing account. Every racehorse has its bite. That'll cover training fees, vet fees, jockey fees and everything. And every bill we get is posted in a WhatsApp group. All the owners are in a WhatsApp group together, you have a good crack. Every time someone goes to the stable, the, the videos of the horse's progression are posted in the WhatsApp group. Basically, I'm trying to run horse syndicates, horse partnerships the way I think they should be run and getting people that the original thing is I had family members, my dad, my uncle and people like that, that I knew would love to be involved. Yeah. But it's, all, it's not been accessible because it's either too expensive or someone's ripping someone off. Mm. It's a way of me staying involved as an owner going forward, but also offering an actual real experience. And we have, look, truthfully, we haven't had many people leave because I do think that we do a, a good job of doing it. So, like, yeah, if it's like anyone watching that's got any interest, if you went on Ben Turner Racing on Instagram, I think the guy, well, I don't know much about tech, but I think there's a Facebook there's a Facebook page. I haven't got Facebook myself, but there's a Ben Turner Racing Facebook page and there's ways of messaging on there and it, everything goes on there. And every time we have a new horse, the new horse will be put on there. And like I say, sometimes I'll have an ex-friend from school, an ex-teammate. I've got all sorts of people like that who get involved, but 50% of the time it's a complete stranger who then gets involved and all of a sudden they've got a, a gateway into it, ran properly. It's, it's a good thing you've done. Uh, I'll, I'll be following the page myself as well. Um, last question of part one, Ben, you've had some massive moments of your career, mate, in football. Um, if you had a winner at the Cheltenham Festival in your, in your name and colours, would it top what you've done in football? Um... Hard question, isn't it? That is a tough question because, like, it's literally the pinnacle. Football's been my life, but horse racing is my main outlet to the football, my main hobby. Um, do you know what? The real answer to that is I wouldn't know until it happened, would I? Mm. Maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't. I mean, the the proudest thing I've done in football is getting. He's winning the championship and getting promoted to the Premier League and managing to play the games. So it would have to either equal that or it wouldn't. I mean... Uh, I'll change the question for you then, mate. What um, One of the big four, so obviously Champion Hurdle, Queen yeah. Mavaz, Stayers Hurdle, Gold Cup. What would rather win? No, it's, uh, I, I, I make the question easier for you. Obviously, it's not just winning any any race at the festival. It's, it's winning one of the big four. With that point, of course, it won the gold cup. Jesus, man! Life complete. 
I mean, there would never be a reason to not go the pub and have a few points with that. <laughs> and the Gold Cup winner. Should we have a shot? Yeah, let's have it. For, we won the Gold Cup. Let's have a shot. Yeah, for me, it's, it's still, as, obviously, as a big cough fan, I think the best night of my life Fine at Notts County. Um, yeah, if I owned a horse that won at Cheltenham, I think it'd top everything, to be honest. It got, it's got to be up there. I mean, it's one of them things, isn't it, where there'll be some people who will just think, what are you talking about? How can that be that? But then, if you're a racing fan, it's a different... <laughs> if you're a fan, you're a fan, and you know, it's, hard, it's hard to explain. If, if it's, if you're, uh, I'm, I'm sat here as someone who doesn't really know horses. Like, Cheltenham this year, I, was, I text Dave in the morning saying, I've got a couple of quid who, who am I putting it on? Whereas Dave was talking about anti-post this and he had this tri-cast and I was like, you might as well be speaking German to me, mate. So I have well, it, yeah. I'm going to well, fucking Scooby. Through, through, through our tipping service, we, all our damage for Cheltenham is almost, not all of it, but a lot of it is done anti-post. It's yeah. like bets placed at Christmas for Cheltenham and you have to sit on the bet for three months and stuff like that. Fit, oh, man. It's above and beyond how interested they want to get in the racing. But if you're into it, and you pull off an anti-post at 33 to 1 that goes off the bike, you feel like you've flipping cracked it. Like you've, that, the, 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 the amount of times I've had an anti-post at 33 to 1, it goes off 6 to 4 favourite and gets beat, mate. It's ha- even more heartbreaking when it gets beat. Yeah, because it doesn't matter what price you went off, you've still lost, don't you? Yeah, it hurts. proper heartbreaking. Because yeah. you get yourself like, you can't, you can't lose now. It's gone in for 33, so even it's going to win and it gets beat. Sickening. Yeah. You, you mentioned that Envoir Alain before, and I remember that day... Um, during the race, we were texting as the race went off, and then you didn't answer your phone for two hours, Dave. Yeah, I don't want to talk to anyone, to be honest. I, I, I generally think that's the most I've ever seen someone take to heart a horse losing. Well, this is it. This is the thing. It's like that horse was the banker, can't get beat, and all the rest of it. But they can. We've shown them, you got to get round. History just repeats itself, doesn't it? <clears throat> Big horses falling over, and like, what can you do? Any power? Did it? Like, it happens and it'll happen again. And like, you pay your money, you take your chance, don't you? You do, mate. Um, that was that was the end of part one of What's the Crack podcast with Ben Turner, me and Neil. What's the Crack podcast? Follow us on social media for all of the latest news, releases, and giveaways at What's the Crack PC. So we're still here with uh, with Ben, and we've got to the uh, the, the quick fire questions, um, just to kind of rattle through and find out a little bit more. So um, I love my memorabilia, mate, um, and I, I collect shirts and I collect boots. Can you remember what your first pair of football boots were? I think they were some black Patricks that my dad got me when I was really young. Black and white Patricks. See, black and white laces down the middle, that's how boots should always be, mate. Um, I, I hate these fancy pink and green ones that you see at the minute. They wind me up. I, I've always wore, if, if I haven't wore Preds, I've wore Copas, that's it. Just straight down the middle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, you've, you've played under some great managers, mate. Um, who, who's been the best manager for you in your career? Uh, Malky McCoy, because the results of what we did and what I did at that time compared to everywhere else speaks for itself so can't really I can't really overthink it that's probably just 
based on the facts of it. Yeah. Um, to be fair, you probably played, you know, like, like Shady Peaky career under and um, we've touched on a few already, but but the biggest character you've come across in football? Character, jeez. That's a tough one because there's all sorts of ways of being a big character. Um, That's me saying I'd make this quick fire and then I go and throw one in like that. <laughs> So fun. Steve, Stevie Bywater's up there. Yeah, I, I can see that. And, and like, I don't want to like be on the Stevie Bywater's nuts bandwagon because Stevie Bywater's a good man, but there's layers to him. There's, diff- there's, <laughs> things, that, there's, there's, there's things he'll do and places he'll go that other people won't. So I'll go for Stevie. Yeah, I get that. Uh, best mate in football? Oh, God, I've got a few. Bearing in mind, we've we've had Tabby on the pod and he may listen. Well, Tabby's definitely one of them. Tabby, <laughs> McPake, uh, still close with him. John Brayford, John Messinio, Doyler, Kean Harris. They're all like, you know what I mean? Good mates of mine. I've got a lot of good, I've got a lot of, a lot of my closest friends are, are my family, like my, my brother and my cousin. Yeah. And, my, and then my, I've got still got some of my close school mates, but I've, I've made some really good football friends as well. Like they, 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 it's hard to split them, but like the, the core of the team, the core of the Cardiff team that won the championship, some great lads in there, and we still, we're still in touch and like just really good lads who like I wish I could still be working with every day. Like, and I wouldn't mm. want to single any of them out over the others they know who they are sort of thing yeah 100% who was your best roommate then slash who made the best copper best roommate (laughs) do you know what Tabby was a good roommate I got Tabby I'm recently Tabby and Doyler recently see we heard Doyler's a bit particular um Doyler's like I don't do you know what it is with Doyler? I can imagine. Say if you say Doyler went in a room with someone that the club put him in a room with who he didn't want to go in a room with. He wouldn't he wouldn't be a good roommate because you'd be able to know. You'd know. Yeah. Like but at not, say. Doyler was like the oldest by a mile. And then after yeah. that there was there was a few there's me and Jim O'Brien and maybe a couple of boys who was Jim O'Brien. Out. But um, me and Doyle was like going in a room and it'd be sound because like we're two of the old ones. We like talking about the same stuff. We both like a cup of tea. We both like a bit of chocolate at night for a game. Like, <laughs> they're all, they're like two old, two old bastards just chilling out. <laughs> just, 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 just two old timers. None, none of that PlayStation shit. Just. Just no, chill out, no. have a cup of tea and cup of tea to tell you on chat. That's it, yeah. Love that. You mentioned Jim O'Brien. You just reminded me I've got a message, Jim, because Jim's agreed to come and have a chat with us. And uh, right. I, I, I hear he's a bit of a character as well. Oh, Jim's got no off button, mate. Yeah, good guy. <laughs> Jim's a good guy, man. You first go to a team and you're like, wow, this guy's just got no off. How am I going to handle this? But you just find a way of you find a way of settling in. So he's uh, 
to be high energy way of dealing with the day. Yeah. Then you realise as well as you go along, he's a good guy. Um, yeah, he, he, he strikes it. Like I said, the conversations I've had with him, he, he's absolutely dead on. Um, yeah. And and you say the no off button. Bear in mind, I've never met the fella. Jesus Christ, the way he texts is, is brilliant. So um, I, I can see oh, that. Yeah. No, you'll have a good time. He's a he's full on Jimmy. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, what's the best ground you've played at, mate? Uh, Anfield's atmosphere is brilliant. Um, Chelsea was good. At, like good, like they both felt on top of you. Yeah, really good atmospheres, them to mm. Anfield. But then, like the best in terms of like the wow factor, you've got your Wembley, the Emirates, Man City. Yeah, yeah, Old Trafford. They'd be the one. Them, them, they're better to look at. But I did think I really enjoyed being at Anfield and Chelsea in terms of thinking, wow, this is this is a proper place to play football. Next question, Ben. I'm going to change it a little bit for you, mate, because it's usually what's your best Christmas party story. But there's a story about you where you went out, you went out in Dublin, flew back to Birmingham for a christening, and flew straight back to Dublin. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, what's all that about? They didn't, didn't want to miss out with the lads? No, definitely not. And I was godfather to my brother's first child. And, uh, basically, you get told when your brother's child's christening is, and you just go, yeah, of course, mate. And then yeah. you go into training, and the Christmas due date's not exactly negotiable. So it's a bit mm. like... And then... It didn't dawn on me on the day, but then I remember at some point between getting told the date and realising I was like, oh, shit. So, uh, <laughs> we, went, we went Dublin on the Saturday. Um, I was christening. Godfather at the christening on the Sunday morning. So I flew, went out, flew back. I think it was like the 6am flight from Dublin back to Birmingham. Did the christening at 11. Flew back to Dublin at 2, I think. Do you not feel rough at the christening? Oh, God, as rough as a badger, mate, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love that, being in church as well. I, I always get, like, clammy in church. I don't know what it is, I hate it. But I'm not I'm not one of these people that, like... Do you know if you're hungover? I'm not one of these people that, like, stops life because you're hungover. Like, mm. I, I just think, like, get through that day you can go to bed the next night. That's kind of how I do yeah. it. Barring disaster, like that is the way. It's so like doing it, going to Dublin, being out till late. I mean, pretty much, I didn't get much, I don't think I got more than an hour or two sleep and then I was on the flight. Um, but it was like, I knew like, Oh, I'll be all right. Like I'm not that guy who can't just about get through those kind of things. But yeah, when I got back to Dublin, into the back into the pub, and it was fancy dress, so I flew back over as Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was good. It was good. That that was that was that was one of my best moments off the field with your teammates. If you know what I mean, just got absolutely mobbed. 
Oh, so I bet I read about Bellator Heroes Wild Club when, when yeah, you were back in the booze. It was. I did. I did feel like I'd like come up to the mark, sort of thing. <laughs> but like, of course, that look minimum half of them thought, "Oh yeah, 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 you ain't coming back. Don't be stupid." But yeah. Love that. That's, that, that's dedication. I, I know you mentioned before your brother's, just, you know, one of your best mates. But to be able to keep your teammates happy and your family, mate, that, that that's that's next level. You see, like a lot, of, a lot of the, a lot of the lads these days, like, and it's probably like good luck to me in a way. But a lot of them not as like bothered about going out with the teammates, getting to know them off the field, and like. Being one of the lads, just you know, a few points or whatever, and pub and just seeing what seeing how much money's as a person. A lot of them coming through, they're not really that way anymore. So, like, but like, now I think, I think, like, if you can, you should, sort of thing. 100%. I've seen some of Ben Foster did uh, said the other day, he says it's got to the point now in change rooms, he walks in and says, Get the fuck off your phone and talk to each other. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you know, th- th- this is the time of your life, enjoy it. That's it. It's it's it's, it's true. Like it, it, everything, everything can be done through devices now, can't it? Like, mm. and like we, we're all guilty of it. Like, you can run you can run your business off it. You can get your news off it. You can text your missus, see how they are, your mom and dad. Do your banking. Everything can be done on it. But like, you got to try and we can all be guilty of it. You got to try and like live in the world as well, ain't you? Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, what's the best goal you've seen live, mate, in a game that you've been playing in? It could be a goal for a team you've scored. It could be a goal against you. The f- Eli Sam last season for Notts County. Ridiculous goal. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Best goal I've ever seen and he got dropped the next game. Wow. Striker scored the best goal I've ever seen. Didn't start the next game. Wow. I, I, I'd, I'd be lucky to catch this goal. You... Eli Sam, Knox County goal. Have a look at it. Mental. I'll definitely have a look at that. Um, you, you scored some big goals, and, and I'm, I'm guessing you know the answer to this one will probably be the Carling Cup final. But what's the favourite goal you ever scored? Carling Cup final. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. I, as I'm reading the question, I'm thinking, fucking, I don't know where this is going to go. Um, no, no. That is quick fire, isn't it? Now we are getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, now, 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 now we're cooking the gas. Um, I mentioned before, I'm a, I'm a shirt collector. What's the best shirt that you've swapped? Oh, I've got a few. Um, Drogba, Lampard. Animal Drogba was, by the way, all the best marking him. Suarez. Love Suarez. What a man. Uh, you still got him as well? Yeah, I got them all, yeah. Kept them all, yeah. Love just, that. While you're that, I, I just watched that goal, mate, from Eloy Sam. What an absolute joke. <laughs> imagine, imagine getting dropped. Imagine, that, imagine you're a striker whose job it is to score goals. You score that goal and you get dropped. Imagine that. It's ridiculous. I've got, I've, I've got, I've got to do it now. Dave, ask the next question. Uh, yeah, to be fair, mate, it's, it's kind of the last of the quick fire ones. Um, but you've already mentioned you, you, like, you like to be part of the team and get involved with the lads. What's the best initiation song you've heard over your career? The best what, sorry? Initiation song for a new signing. Right. It's not a new signing, right, but when I went and played for England under-19s, my first England under-19 camp 
was with Daniel Sturridge's first England under-19 camp because he was playing up an age bracket. And he sang like he was about to release a single. (laughs) (laughs) It It was beautiful, honest to God. Like Usher dropping an album. Honestly, I was thinking, wow. And we're going to follow that. <laughs> but, but what, what did you follow it with? Uncle Cracker, follow me. <laughs> Brilliant, mate. You, you literally did follow it. That's class. Um, and if you weren't a footballer, what, what, what would you have been, mate? Uh, um, well, I probably, I that's a tough question, mate. I probably would have ended up in uni, to be honest. Um, I don't know exactly what though. Like I was, I was quite smart in school. Like did well at my GCSEs. Um, studied law A level because my dad and that was quite like. He he kept reminding me how hard it is to be a footballer, and you need to like be yeah. ready to be a footballer, but also be ready to not be a footballer if it matters. So. I had the law A level and done my MVQ in sports science before I got a pro contract. So I had the equivalent of three A levels. One was an A level and the MVQ was like the equivalent of two A levels as well before I even signed a pro contract. So I'd say if, if I fell flat on my face, I probably would have stuck that on a uni application form and, and gone to uni. I think. No, wicked, mate. Wicked. Um, now the nitty gritty, uh, and and it's just the final part, mate. The, the best eleven players that you played with, um, and they don't necessarily have to be the most technical, but the people that you may have enjoyed playing with the most. Um, now this is hard, isn't it? Yeah. To, to be fair, mate, I was looking earlier some of the players you've played with, and there's some absolute players, by the way. And um, there's not the thing is about footballers as well. There's not a lot. It's the between one man and the next man. So mm. like, this should be tough. This will. When I, when I was looking at who you played with, the only one I, I think guaranteed to be in there, and I think you will because you've already mentioned him, is Peter Whittingham. Oh, Peter Whittingham's in there, yeah. He's, mm. he's, he's the number one. Just, so obviously, as a centre-half, you know, you've got to have a trust uh, in, the, in the man behind you. Um, best keeper you played with? David Marshall. So, David Marshall Cardiff. Mm. Was super... Um, and uh, we didn't know it at the time, but he was keeping years. Tommy is and I think Tommy, while in the mix, don't get me wrong, but it says a lot about Dave that he kept him out of the team for as long as he did. Yeah. And it also says a lot about him that he was in Premier League team of the year the season we were in the Prem, which again, yeah, that 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 that's because. Of how much she showed in that season, and yeah, very good goaler. Uh, as a defender, Ben, this is where are you put you put yourself in the team. Are you going no. to be in the team now? Um, no. We're we going back four. Who's, who's your back four? You don't have to go back four. You, you said at Burton you were in a back five. Who's going to go back five? See, so, this is the thing. Like, it's, diff- it's two completely different teams, and if you change shape, yeah, it is. But let's so we keep it simple and went with a back four. Hudson would be one of my centre-halves. Mark Hudson. Mm. Um, 
very, very good player. Not made, made up for it with other attributes that were just massive. And the good thing that the best thing about Hoods was for me personally was that when we played together, it seemed to just bring bring each other on a bit more, if you know what I mean. So, like, the, the, like you say, like, in terms of, like, who do you enjoy playing next to? You know, he said he, he, he mm. fits well, like it was like. I felt, I always felt great playing next to him. Um, the other one, oh, I probably, probably, Stephen Corker or Scott Dan, one or the other. Oh, good. That's a hard choice, that is. Now, Scott, Scott wouldn't be one who would be like on the Hudson thing where we necessarily were a great pair together because we were both lefties, I think. Or did he just play? Did he just play on the left? I just remember we never really like. Sort of got a partnership down. Wasn't left. He was a right. Scotty was Scotty. No, Scotty was right. You weren't. Yeah, right footed Scott Dan. I think. Yeah. Yeah, but but I think he played on the left next to Danny Fox because everyone was saying that obviously how close they were. They got signed together. I think they did. And that was it. And then because obviously I was a lefty, I think it was like one of us had to like not be on the left. So I don't know. I just obviously yeah, they're really really good player, but like we didn't actually play that many games together. So it weren't really one that I could say it was like because we sort of played loads together and it really worked. Whereas Hoods can, but I'd say like. Scotty or um, Stephen Cork, Scotty or Stephen Corker. We'll, we'll go Corker purely and simply because he's just signed for Fenerbahce. Um, so that probably gives us a little bit more clickbait. Um, did, did you ever see him kind of going to, to the heights that he's gone to? Because obviously he, he had his troubles with addiction and stuff, but just seeing him get his move now to, to Fenerbahce, that's a massive move. Well, yeah, basically, he just need he just needed to get himself because everything else was there—the ability, the size, the fitness, the pace—like all the components were there. He just needed to put it back together, didn't he? And he, mm. I, I think he has. And then again, look, following him on his Instagram and that, he seems to have his life in order now, and he looks in great shape. Yeah. Uh, so, fit look. Fingers crossed it stays like that for him because you don't don't want to hear that someone you've played with and someone you got on with and whatever ended up in a bad place mentally, similar to the Marvin Sordell situation. Like yeah. you think about it and you take football out of it, you don't you don't want to hear that, do you? It's, it's yeah, more, you want to, you want you want people to be happy, don't you? Yeah. So completing your back four. Who are your full-backs, mate? Right, so right back. I'd go Kev McNaughton or John Brayford. And that's hard to pick between them. Both similar for me in terms of just like such solid individuals, like 90-minute players, fit, at it, brave. 
honest. Mm. You know what you get with those sort of players as well, don't you? Oh, God. Take them anywhere, like home, away, scrappy game, good game, like just one of them. God knows. You pick. Let's stick, let's stick Braithwaite because everyone else has been Cardiff. So let, let, let's have a Burton player in there. We'll stick Braithwaite in there. Corner. And then your left back. Left backs. If it was wing backs, I would put Lloyd Dyer in there because we complemented each other. Mm. And yeah. He scored seven or eight goals from wing back in the championship the season. Um, Jared Dyers. I'm sure he did. He was he was really, he was massive part of what we did. Um, but he's not a left back, is he? So can I put him in there? Your and team, then, mate. If he's one, if he's one of the best you played with, because the way he complimented you, mate, then yeah, whack him in there. I mean, Lloyd would know himself. He wouldn't be as effective as an actual left back. Yeah. It it works that he was a wing back and he knew he had three defenders behind him, so he had more license to burst late with his pace and fitness. Mm. Um, and then from the left backs, I played with Taylor at Cardiff, um, really underrated player, very very solid on the ball, could defend. Um, did, did you play much with Danny Fox? I thought Fox was classic covering the championship. Danny Fox, yeah, yeah, probably just overlooking that just because um, how long ago that was now. Yeah, mm. but yeah, he'd be in the mix. Although, again, just one of them where played a lot more games with the other players I've mentioned. Yeah, so that's it. Kind of like the more on my mind, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I'd go. Yeah, go. I'd go probably. Lloydina, Lloydian if it was wing backs, and I'd go Andrew Taylor if it was full back. Uh, in midfield, mate, who's joining Peter Whittingham? Peter Whittingham, centre mid. Uh, left mid, Bellas. Wow. Just because, like, Yeah, it's, 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 it doesn't really need explaining, does it? He's played. Yeah, it's, it's CV's doesn't it? Like, doesn't it? Yeah. He's just good. He's just good, good, really good football player. Comes in some days and he's not in the mood for anything. Comes in other days, very chatty, very helpful, very like really good football player. And like, that's him, sound, sound, sound guy when you actually sit down. Um, Who's in midfield? Who is in the midfield? See, these. This is where I get a bit like struggling to like differentiate. I tell you, Gunnarsson's up there. He was. He was classic cop as well. Gunnar was. Love Gunnar. Love Gunnar. And again, I think I think he's underrated as well. Um, I mean, it's a like, lot of people just see it was a long throw merchant when there was so much more to his game than that. Such a good teammate, such a good guy. Um, 
throw some names at me if you've got any. Well, well obviously you played with Doyla. Um, Doyla, yeah. Aaron Gunnarsson. Um, who did you have at Burton in that time? Um, Father Butchers. Jamie Allen, Jacob Davenport, Hope Akpan, um, Luke Varney, Luke, well, I, I, I say Lucas Aikens, he could probably play everywhere, couldn't he? Oh, he played um, many once. <laughs> <laughs> Luke Vaughan as well. As well, no. Um, Jackson Irvine. Jackson Irvine was good, you know. Good lad as well. Kind of played off the striker more, though. For us. Um, yeah, uh, I, I can definitely see that. Um, who else have we got here? Kitely's more of a winger. Um, Matty Palmer, Tom Naylor. Yeah, trying to, try to think of the side you win the league with at Cardiff. Uh, Craig Noon was there, wasn't he? He's a good player. Yeah. Noon is a winger, yeah, he's very good. Don Carey, underrated centre mid. Craig Conway, underrated midfielder. Wide man. Uh... Look at that, yeah. Gary, Gary Medal in the Premier League. Oh, oh, the Chilean, yeah, he was good, bit, bit loopy, you reckon? Yeah, he was class, though. He was like, <laughs> he's a nice guy, you could just tell he was a nice guy coming and say good morning. Couldn't speak much more English, like, but I was, I can't, I can say, I can't imagine his English being very good, but I could just imagine him throwing himself around the park. We'll go Gunner. Stick Gunner in. Right yeah. Love that. And then, um, who who's on the other wing? I'll tell you what, Craig Noon at his best was flipping good. Remember when we went to Man City away in the Prem and he ran past like three of them, including company, and smashed it in. And it was like, whoa, is this really happening? Mm. Um, yeah, he was good. I completely forgot Wilfred Sahar came on then to you boys when you were in the Premiership. Yeah, he did. He just wasn't anywhere near the man he turned into, if you know what I mean. Mm, yeah. Wasn't like, on ability, I could go, yeah, Wilfred Sahar, but like in terms of how it worked out when he was in a team with me, I couldn't I couldn't pick him because yeah. he was... He, 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 he was Journey to where he's now rather than he wasn't there at the time. Thought it's done well. I, I always liked um, oh, what's his name now? He was at Norwich for a bit as well. Um, Pilkington. Oh, Pilks was good, yeah. Always rated him. Yeah, he was a good player. Yeah, he was. Maybe a Pilks or Nooner. Go Nuna. Go Nuna. Here we go up front, mate. Just because Nooney was actually a winger. Pilt was playing and stuff as well. He was a bit more like... He'd be like more like... Versatile and could could be anyway in that midfield, really. Up front... Trying to think, you know, right... I don't reckon in my whole career, and correct me if I'm wrong, if I've ever played with a striker 
scored 20 goals in a season, ever. <laughs> Do you know what? That's a hell of a stat if you haven't. No, looking I, through, I don't think you have. Try and correct looking me. through here, I, I think Kenwin Jones probably got... Um, Never got 20. I think he got the most. He got the, the first season back in blue at Cardiff. He got fourteen. Um, I, 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 do you know what? I don't reckon anyone's got anywhere near it. I don't reckon I played with a striker who's got twenty goals. The, the year that you won the league, your top goal scorer was Whittingham and Aaron Gunnison. So it says it all, doesn't it? This is what I mean. Like Fraser Campbell? No, he got sixteen. Freight, yeah, Freight, yeah. He was he was a good good striker though. You had another striker there that who I, again, I've always rated as a champion. Well, two great championship strikers. You had uh, Nicky Maynard, who I've always thought yeah. scores goals of fun at you know lower levels, and Alfie I, I, um, Adam Lafondra, always rated Alfie. It just so, never seemed to work for him. Think, so back to the thing about like people doing it in the teams that I played. Nicky had his best time before I played with him in terms of when he was at Bristol and stuff. Was he, That was when like his probably goal-scoring record was at its best. Yeah. And obviously at West Ham, he was like, obviously like in a very good team and all the rest of it. But it didn't really go that well for McCard if he got a bad injury. So, so there's that. Uh, and one you mentioned earlier, Ben, uh, John Parkin. John Parkin, yeah, again, really good, but didn't go well for him when we played together. Yeah. Like he'd be the first to admit Cardiff weren't his like, yeah, weren't the best bit career. It's like, uh, here's, here's one for you, Ben. And I thought he was class, and I'm pretty sure you played with him. Um, take out what he gets up to off the pitch, and that Marlon King at Cov was unreal. Did you play with Marlon? Hey, yeah, he was good, yeah. Yeah, he was. Got on with Marlon as well. He, he was, he was some player. He was. He was. See, like the striker thing. Like when you ask me about centre mid, and I'm like Peter Whittingham straight off. Mm. Basically, because Wits would score like 15 goals from from midfield every single season. When you say strikers to me, like I say, I'm thinking I'd have to, I can't just go him because he scored 30 goals that season. Because yeah, I don't think that's I don't think that's really ever happened. So I've got to go. I've got to go a bit more like. So I've just looked through. Then I think you're right. I don't think you ever played with a twenty goal a season striker. You, the top scorers at Burton when you're there were Jackson Irvine with ten. Never had in my whole life. The, the, your first season at Burton was Jackson Irvine with ten. Second season yeah. was Dyer with seven. So yeah, I, I think you're right. I don't think you have, there you go. which is, which is so, crazy when you think about it. It is, isn't it? It's a bit out of order, really, isn't it? That no one's ever scored. <laughs> I've got a lot to answer for, haven't I? Really. <laughs> You know, just leaving you to all the work back there. Jesus. Think, think of these players that have, that have been in and around it in the time. Right, we'll go Fraser Campbell as one. Not a bad start, is it? <laughs> um... I think you'd left by that point. Even going back to Cov, like the season you left, Duke nine, Marlon King thirteen. King was the next level man. I never liked Jukovic. He had a good career since though, hasn't he? Clinton Morrison eleven. Go, we'll go 
Anthony Pilkington as a te- off the striker. I love Pilks. He was a good player. He still doing it, isn't he? Yeah, he's still playing. Yeah, he was underrated. He was very good player. Who captains that side? Hoods. Hoods. Yeah. Um, and aren't the managers that, that have managed you? Who who gets the best out of that side? Uh, let's go with Clough, man. Let's we'd have the we'd have the best team nights out. Let's go, Clough. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that's that's a hell of a side. That's a hell of a side, which on on their day would compete with anyone. I still think in the top division. That that's oh yeah. Some good players in there, yeah, definitely. Danny, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, mate. Obviously, good luck with, with your new businesses and good luck with the racing again, mate. And um, hopefully, find you see you have a winner at Cheltenham one day with the name Van Turner next to it. Fingers crossed, mate. If you want to, <laughs> you want to get involved with one, you give me a message, mate. Yeah, mate. To be fair, I was thinking about that earlier when you were talking about it. So I actually seen your eyes light up, Dave. When he said he's got a new syndicate coming, I actually seen your eyes light up. Yeah. We'll see you at the races then, won't we? I get, I get a message about that. Hundred percent. Cheers, Ben. Take it easy.